and we will be good. All right. And we are live. Large Ray, how are you? Hello there. How are you doing today? Nice. I'm doing great. It's nice to sort of meet you. On, yeah, we actually haven't talked before. No. Other than the first 10 minutes of chit-chatting here a little bit. So, uh, so to get right on into this, Large Ray, can you just tell me a little bit about who you are? Because I honestly, like, I honestly just don't know. Don't know. I know. That's, you shouldn't know. You don't have to know. <laughs> it, it'd be weird if you did know. So um, I guess the only way to explain it is, uh, and it's nothing that, you know, significant or exciting. Um, back in the 80s when freestyle, I guess, first started, um, I would go to a lot of contests. The, the, the contests back in the day were – the first day was flatland. Second day was what we just called ramps. Mm -hmm. And um, I unfortunately couldn't do either one very well. Uh, but I had a friend, Gary Pollock, who was like, he was the shit. He was like, he was like sponsored, getting paid when he was like 14 years old. So I just basically hung out with him and I'd show up at contests. And um, at one point I was getting thrown out of the contest because I was um, just goofing around. And, uh, my friend's manager signed me up for the contest and said, you're going to, you're going to ride today. Nice. And I was like, well, I really don't have many tricks. And he's like, just go out and do, do your best. And there were 78 rider or 79 riders. And I got 78. <laughs> so that was like me getting first place. And then from there, I just started to enter contest, learned a few more tricks. Then got, then I was friends with all the people that uh, wrote and took photos for the magazines. And then, so they would just like put me in magazines. So I got, a lot of recognition just for being some big fat dude that went to contest and wrote a little bit. And then it's just like, and then as years go on, the legend builds and builds and builds, but that's the gist of it. You know what I mean? I just went to every contest, met everybody, knew everybody was friends with everybody. And, um, and in the process had one of the best childhoods you could, you could have, uh, growing up in the eighties with legends like Matt Hoffman, Dennis McCoy, you know, anyone else that was, you know, big back then. That's pretty amazing, man. So, like, how did that very first spark of BMX happen even for you? Oh, uh, gosh. I mean, the first spark is just when you're a kid and you just, you're on, your your bike is your vessel. It's like yeah. every other kid has a story. You get on your bike, go places, and then that one day you're riding around and these kids have a dirt jump. And you're like, what's 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 a dirt jump? And then they're like, well, you know, you jump, blah blah blah. And so, and then we had a we had fields in the back of my neighborhood that was a track. Dudes made a track like it was probably like 1981. So it's like you can meet up with your friends, ride around this BMX track that they made in the woods, and that's where that's where my whole um, where I realized bikes were going to be more than just transportation it's a lifestyle and it's where you get all your friends basically was through that you know so it's pretty awesome nice so like before i keep going with the story dave nori says you did so much for the scene we are all better people because of your shenanigans yeah dave just loves me he wants me to sound like i'm very important but <laughs> dave's just like one of the nicest people ever too he is yeah he's the he's the best ambassador for uh, for BMX, for BMX freestyle or flatland, whatever. He's so, so dedicated. He's so good. He's professional. He's the, he's the nicest guy in the world. You know, he's really good. Yeah. And I pick on him all the time. I love picking on him. 
That's all I do is rough them up. That's funny. <laughs> so, do you remember like the first time you went somewhere notable and met notable people in BMX? Uh, it was probably Dave Nori. It was probably I went to um, I went to a horror show in 1985. Um, we had you know we had BMX magazines and we had um, there was a Mountain Dew commercial and it had Ron Wilkerson. And R.L. Osborne and all these guys, and they were all doing tricks. Eddie Fiola was on it. And then that commercial was on MTV all the time. And then it's like, hey, there's going to be the horror shows coming here tomorrow. So we, we showed up. And just the uniforms the guys had, the blue ramp, um, the sound system, the cool music, you know. And, uh, and it, was, it was Dave Norrie and um, Ron Wilkerson, and they did a, they did a show. And once I saw that, I was just like, this is the coolest, coolest thing in the world. Just like all the kids that were there, the show, the tricks, just the whole vibe of it. It was like immediately it's like, this is what I'm going to do. Maybe not for the rest of my life, but I'm hanging out with this crew and this is what we're going to do. This is fun. You know, it was way more fun than all the activities I did when I was a kid. Like when you're a kid, you football, baseball, basketball, all that stuff. You know, you do like organized sports, which is great. But this was on a level where it was way more exciting and you could you could you could dictate where you went, what you did, who you hung out with. There were no rules. So if you wanted to go off and do something else or you wanted to try something else, there was no one there to say, hey, you can't do that. You know, where all the other sports, it's like, here's what you have to do and you got to do it with with freestyle and BMX. You could just do whatever. And that's why you met so many characters, because it was people that just wanted to completely just do what they wanted to do. Oh yeah, man. I've I've had pushback for towards like being parents pressuring people into organized sports my whole entire BMX life because I recognized early on too is like these organized sports once you at leave high school unless you're like really lucky and you're really good and you can do it in college most of the time this stuff just kind of fades away but bmx is yeah. literally can last your entire life yeah so how old were that, you that, when like all of that was happening um i mean like the the real stuff where like where i would go to contests and there were like magazines involved and stuff like that was probably not anywhere between 80 probably 85 it started 85 86 that's when the scene for uh for my generation was like it was big there was the like at, your whole life was trying to get up enough money to go to a contest and then you go to a contest and some dude would just have a two two minute run you were like living for that two minute run you know and um but so that's when you know the 80s is when it was all going down for old people like me <laughs> well, how old were you <laughs> at the time though um it was like i was like 15 or 16 Nice. And um, and just, you know, we're traveling around the United States. Um, I just, you know, I've had a full time job since I was 12. So I was like working. Basically, I was working at Burger King Monday through Thursday. And then Friday, Saturday, Sunday is when we would go to contests or something. So um, but we always we, we traveled like like we got on we got on planes when we were 16 years old to go to Texas. And I remember my dad dropping me off at the airport. and He's like. Well, like, who's your chaperone? Who's going to be? And we're just like, we're just going, you know, <laughs> and we had like $12 in our pocket and we're just going to Texas for the weekend. So, um, it was pretty fun, pretty risky. 
No doubt the world was a different place back then where it you was. could like actually do that and come back and be okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we we get on a plane. I didn't have a driver's license. I didn't have any ID. I just like had my ticket. Like here you go. You get on the plane and then you're just on your own. Oh my it's gosh. Pretty, what do you guys crazy. do from there? <laughs> we well actually we we just followed Gary around. My friend Gary Pollock, he was sponsored, so he'd have a hotel room. So we would just like stay in his hotel room, eat whatever scraps his uh, team GT didn't eat, and then uh, somehow get a ride back to the airport on Monday morning. You know, like we we learned how to survive on um, a little bit of stealing, a lot of lying on how to get into places, and just uh, it's just what you did when you were a kid, you know. Yeah, well, no, I don't. <laughs> that's not what I did. <laughs> I want to learn more. Like so. So how do things evolve with this? Um, about, I mean, we just, things evolve in what way? Like how, like, like how do they keep progressing and you keep staying involved with BMX? I mean, you mentioned that you got a lot of coverage in magazines. Like how does that? Yeah. I guess what it was is I, um, I would go to contests and like the, like, like I said, my friend's manager signed me up. This guy, this guy, uh, how, Harold Maguther was was Gary's manager, and he's a legend in the BMX world, like a total legend. And um, he he worked for CW, then GT, and then Mongoose as like the manager, and then he did like he did a lot of other stuff. But um, so I would go to the contests, and I didn't have a lot of tricks. So I uh, one contest I put smoke bombs on my bike, mm-hmm. and um, because if you don't have a lot of tricks, it's like you know go out and just do some goofy stuff. But then so in the magazines, of course, they're going to be like, well, there's this really large teenager um and he had smoke bombs on his bike and the thing is i didn't have a uniform like back then everybody wore a uniform and i didn't have a uniform they, they didn't even make a uniform that even came close to fitting me so i just wore like painter's pants a led zeppelin t-shirt uh, a flannel shirt and i lit, lit a smoke bomb and went out and rode and i don't even know what place i got but i was in like three different magazines for it so just being goofy like that I just wind up. I would just wind up getting in magazines, and then, um, and then a friend of mine, Carl Roth, became the editor of of BMX Plus, and I think he put me in every issue. Like in the beginning, like in the, there'd be like the stuff in the beginning, you just have a picture of me doing something. So, but then like kids, kids remember that because now I'll now I'll go to a thing, like I'll go to some event now, and kids will be like, "Oh my God, it's Large Array!" Like you were in every magazine when I was a kid. So. You're kind of like, then you become this BMX legend, even though you weren't really back in the day a, a legend. You know what I mean? So it's like, it's it's pretty funny. I would argue that we don't get to decide if we're a legend. And I don't think you, I think other people decided you're a legend and that makes you yeah. a BMX legend. Yeah, that's true. That's so sick. So, yeah. so like another thing that came up through there is, Catch me up to speed between that and when you were the coach on MTV's Made Show. Like, what happened yeah. between what we're talking about now and that? Yeah. So, so by like 1992 or three, the world of of freestyle, and I don't, you know, that's what we called it back then, freestyle. Um, that was dead. The AFA, American Freestyle Association, that went under. There are no more contests. And then Matt Hoffman basically now this is my version of what I think happened or the way I or the way I saw it is BMX was dead. There were no more contests. There were no more gatherings. 
there was there was just nothing going on. And uh, in in York, Pennsylvania, the Plywood Hoods started having the York Jam in like '91, where they took what the best part of a contest was usually the stuff before and after in the parking lot where everybody would just dick around and, and do have fun. So they took that part of it and made an, an event where they just went to a parking lot every year. And, you know, before like the internet and everything, they just basically just maybe took an ad out in the magazine. I don't even remember how they did it, but so people were doing that. And then Matt Hoffman started having contests. He had, I don't know if it was back then it was called the B3 series, but Matt was like, there's still a million people out here that ride. There's just no money in it anymore. Well, shit, I'm going to go out and make bikes and have contests. And so Matt kept it alive for everybody. And then the X Games started. And then when the X Games started, my friends and I were like, hey, man, like, I was watching the X Games, and I swear to God, I saw I saw little Dave Mira. I saw Rick Thorne. Dennis is – and we're like, Dennis is old. Dennis was like 26 or something. We're like, <laughs> Dennis is – Dennis is ancient. He's 26 years old. And he did a 540. Like, what's he thinking? And we're like, Matt Hoffman's there. And like, so like, we knew like there were like five or six people. Like Steve Swope were like, wow, these guys are still doing it. And to us, it was like, you know, these guys were in their early 20s, but we were thinking they were old because when we were kids, the guys that were good were like these like young kids. So then my friends and I, we just started going to. We started, we started just taking off work and going out to the X Games because our friends were there. And then, you know, Matt ran the, um, he ran the X Games basically. So we meet up with Matt. We're like, hey, can we get some passes? And uh, he would, he'd give us some passes. And like, here's a pass from, Whoa. from the Gravity Games where we would go and get these passes. Our friend Ken and Harkin worked for NBC. Yeah. And he, um, that was the Gravity Games. And then, so we, like, we go to the Gravity Games, and then we met all the new guys. Mm. So the new guys would be like, who are these old dudes talking to, how do these guys know, like, Matt and Dave and Rick Thorne and Dennis and all this stuff? So then we kind of, we kind of got back into it, but not back into it riding. I mean, my friends still ride. I don't ride at all. My friends would still ride back then and do stuff. Um, And then... Um, so we just, we just stayed involved in all that kind of stuff. And then one day in 2003, we get, I got a phone call. I was, I was at, uh, I was at Woodward, Woodward East. And I get a phone call from a number in in, uh, Manhattan and I'm like, what's this? And it's this lady saying, hi, this is, this is Tori from MTV. We saw a video of you riding a bike and we want you to be a, a coach for this girl. Please give me a call. And so we never heard of the maid show. Mm-hmm. or anything and um my friend mark eaton he did a little short video called ramp up the john yeah uh the word the word john is used in in philadelphia a lot for anything's a john so he made this this video ramp up the john and she watched the people at mtv saw this video and they said hey we want that dude that's wearing this coat i had this big puffy like blue coat on and they called me and they said would you want to be uh a coach for this girl to ride BMX. And I'm like, uh, I don't know. I'm like, I have, I'm like, I'm 30 years old. I haven't ridden a bike in like 20 years. I can barely, you know, jump off a curb. I pro I'm probably not your dude. So they came to my house and at the time I just gotten on, uh, eBay and I bought every bike I didn't have when I was a kid. So in my living room, I had like 35, 
full BMX bikes just hanging up. It, I was like, I looked like a little kid, but I had, you know, I had all this shit, all these bikes. And the, uh, the producer came in and I just started just talking all this shit. I started making fun of her and she's like videotaping all the bikes and asking me all these questions. And the more I told her I didn't want to do it and it wasn't going to work and that she was wasting her time and I just was giving her shit. I, I mean, I was being in a very nice way. I was just like being funny, but I was being kind of rude and she ate it up. And then she was like, Hey, I, um, would you be the coach for this girl? And I was like, if you really want me to. And then I found out as we were filming, when we were filming, she was like, she like, well, she knew who Van Homan was and she knew who this dude was and this dude was. I'm like, how do you know all these dudes? And she goes, oh, I, I interviewed all these guys for the for the coaching job. I'm like, you interviewed mm. Van Homan, but you picked me? She's like, well, you can you can talk a lot of shit and you're silly. So you'd be perfect for it. And so then that's when that that's when the maid show happened and that was yeah that was 2003 and then that was like crazy because back then you know social media wasn't what it was uh like it is today and mtv every kid watched mtv i watched and, that um, yeah yeah so um i mean that like i couldn't go anywhere like like my friends and i would be you know just going to starbucks and people would be like oh my god you're the dude from you're the dude from the maid show so for about a year and a half, everywhere I went, I got I got recognized, and that was that was fun. It was definitely fun going places and, and being recognized. That's so crazy. So yeah. So like, was there anything behind the scenes with the show that happened that was like? Because obviously, you know, how was it a thirty minute or an hour long episode of? Oh, uh, it's a it's a it's hour long show. Like so, with commercials, it's like forty. It's like forty two. Maybe forty three minutes long or something like that. So forty three minute show. There's a whole lot more that goes into it than just oh, that. So like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's yeah, have that conversation. It. Yeah, that part was crazy. They filmed probably for like six or seven weeks. Yeah, and they had I think it was a hundred and forty minutes, or no, a hundred and forty hours of footage that they had to break down wow. into like say forty three minutes. And so um, after we filmed the show, I would go to Manhattan and they'd be like, like they'd be editing the show. And like, like I'd go to my friend Mark Eaton's house and he and he'd be editing like a commercial or something. He's got all this crazy equipment. And I went to the edit in Manhattan and it's like it looked like a dungeon. It looked like a <laughs> looked like a like a dump. And I'm like, this is what MTV uses for their shit. So it was, it was pretty crazy. But um, but we had so much footage. And, and like the whole show is like, it's written up. Like you have a script, like everyone thinks it's like, it's all real. And it's, it's as written up as, as like an episode of friends. They're like, you're the coach. Here's the girl. She's going to get in a fight with her friends. She's going to dump her boyfriend or her boyfriend's going to dump her. She's going to have, her friends are going to leave her. She's going to have problems in school. Then you're going to quit. And then she's going to come back and then you're going to, so like they write it all up. So the, that part about it was was pretty lame, but then the best part was the girl actually did a backflip. Like she had never ridden a bike before, and in six weeks she learned how to do. I mean, she did a backflip on the resi. Like she went from like the you know the the roll in to where you do the foam, and she just kind of crossed over, mm-hmm. and she to- she fully hucked the backflip. You know, like it was it was crazy. So um, when she did that, and then they and like they they premiered the show. They they played that episode. Um, 
three or four times a day for like a month. So like anytime you put the TV on, it was that episode. And um, it was crazy. But I mean, we went like the one thing, the, the thing why it worked out so well is when they were like, okay, you have to like, my job was to, I had to take her places and do stuff. And I was yeah. like, well, I got to make it interesting. So luckily little devil was in King of Prussia. And that's where I live. King of Prussia. And little devil, you could ride, I mean, it was like a 40 second sprint across a field to get to like little devil. So, um, the guy that owns little devil, Derek, I've known him for years. He's an awesome dude. And I was like, Hey, we're going to, we're going to bring the girl there and get, get all her supplies and all her shit. So that, that was great in the show. And then she was going to go on her for, she, uh, she was a senior. So she's like, Oh, for senior week, we're going to go to wherever. And I'm like, well, we're going to Mira's house. And she's like, and that was the only real part in the, show that was real where she ditched her friends and we went to mirror's house for a couple of days <laughs> instead of her going there. And then, um, and I didn't realize till after or halfway through, they told me and MTV lies a lot to you. They don't tell you the truth with a lot of shit. I thought she was 18 and then halfway through they were like, Oh, by the way, you're going to have to be her legal guardian when you go to North Carolina. And I'm like, why she's 18. They're like, eh, she's not 18 yet. She's 18 ish. She's like 17 and three fourths or something. So that was kind of, I felt like I was like, man, I'm like, I don't know. She's 17 and we were like 32 year old, like nitwits, you know, just taking her out to Mira's house and getting all hammered up and riding motorcycles and being goofball. So, um, but it all worked out, you know, it was cool. That is wild. I mean, I, I watched that episode, but I watched it before I ever rode BMX. Like, I was a kid watching that and I vaguely yeah. remember different parts of it. But after yeah. it was all said and done, how'd you feel about the finished thing versus the experience of it? Oh, it came out great. I thought, um, I mean, there was a lot of stuff that if I always wondered if you could have got the footage and gave it to somebody to do a show on HBO, it would have been even better because mm-hmm it was completely adult. Like there was nothing like we, they had to edit out so much stuff. I mean, we took the girl to a strip club. Um, <laughs> we, we did. And like, and that made it in the, in the show that totally made it in the show, but that was fake. Like we, we pretend to go to, like we went to a strip club. It was actually pretty cool. Cause um, I know a guy here in town who's a, who's a lawyer. And he was like, and I was talking to him about the show and he's like, Hey, I can get Delilah's Den. That's like the big strip club in Philly. He goes, I can, I'm going to go there and see if I can work a deal. And what it was is he got them to pay me 5,000 bucks. And the deal was I had to get their logo Delilah's on TV. And so we, so Delilah's was like, okay, you can film here for, um, you can film for two hours and you can have open bar with 20 of your friends for four hours. So I rolled in there with, with 20, with 20 friends. I brought a thousand bucks and we, and we videoed for, for two hours. And, um, and when that was all done, like weeks later, when I, when I would go to the edit, one of the guys pulled me aside and he's like, Hey man, he's like, um, I was just editing all the strip club footage and I'm going to, I'm going to make a little tape and send it to my friend who works at HBO because this is some funny shit. He's like, this is crazy. And there's like a lot of stuff going on here that they'd be interested in looking at. Um, there was just, there was so much stuff that we did that had to get edited out, you know, to be on, I mean, the show was basically made for 
like 12 to 14 year old girls, you know? Yeah. So a lot of stuff had to get taken out, but we, we definitely had fun. Like it was, and it just like that whole thing just like fell into our lap, you know? And then my friends and I, you know, we went from just like going to Woodward every couple of months to then doing the show. And then, then we were a big deal. Then we'd go to the gravity games and everyone knew who we were. Like everybody knew who we were. We'd be walking around and we'd be as well known as the riders because we're the dudes that were the coaches for, this girl so that was totally fun that is incredible what a story (laughs) so like do you have i mean i feel like at that point in time mtv was pretty closely related with like action sports and stuff too oh yeah yeah they had all kinds of stuff back then i i just wonder how that came to be um how what came to be like just, how the just sh- the culture like, of MTV kind of intertwining oh, with action sports a little bit at that time. Oh, yeah, I guess I guess because because of the age thing. I mean, like it was like you know kids that kids that watched MTV. Like MTV came out when I was a kid, and then by the time like then by in the two thousands, like they never played videos and they just they just had parties. You know, it was like they like we're down in Cancun with Paulie Shore, and then they would do. Then I guess between like the X Games and stuff like that, they would, they just started getting into like the action sports stuff, I guess, you know, and I think because there, like there were things on MTV where they had, I swear they had some type of like little events. I'm not sure. Well, I, mean, I don't remember when I talked to TJ, he talked about them having some type of thing in his backyard for MTV. Oh, okay. Yeah. So yeah, he has those. Yeah, he has those dirt jumps, and they probably had a thing where they had probably like a DJ. Yeah, they did. They the did sports have a con- and they music like festival. Contest. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I think they'd even have stuff in Vegas sometimes about like that kind of stuff. I forget. I forget exactly. The reason I forget there was so much. There was so much going on back then. There was so much going on with action sports and you know the Gravity Games, the X Games. All that stuff. There's just so much of it. It's crazy. That is crazy, man. It's just I, all these conversations like this just always come back to the same thing for me, and and that is just all right. How do we get back there? <laughs> like, how yeah. do we make this kind of stuff happen again? Yeah. Well, and 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 stuff does happen again. Like like stuff. You know, like like skateboarding died in like the '80s, and then came back in the '90s. '90s, like BMX died in in the early '90s, and then it came back, and then. I mean, stuff, you know, stuff comes back, you know, so, mm-hmm. and and now with like, with like the internet and social media, like, you know, you can, like, you can, the, the, the way that everything's so instant, you know, like this right now, it's live on uh, YouTube, you know what I mean? Like back when I was a kid, if there was a contest in September, you'd have to wait till, you know, December or January to find out who won the contest, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, it's, it's crazy. crazy. It's definitely very crazy. So, uh, when's the going back to this whole MTV made thing? Did you have any kind of contact with the girl from the show? Like year? Like how? When was the last time? Oh yeah, that's that's my friend Warren's job. He lo- he loves to stay in contact with people. Um, we definitely like after it happened, um, she graduated and went to Penn State, and then we'd go to Woodward, and Woodward and Penn State are right near each other. So whenever we went to Woodward. We'd meet up with her. She'd get her bike and ride a little bit. And then, um, and then we are still, I mean, we still text her like, uh, me, me, Warren and Gary, um, we're still like on a group text. And like when it's her birthday, we'll send her a text. 
Uh, every year she sends me a Christmas card with her husband and three kids. So she's like, she's like, a, she's like, I still look at her as that little girl Chrissy that was riding, but here she's like, her and her husband are like doctors and they got kids and they live in Boston and so it's nice. just crazy. So yeah, we're, we, we haven't physically seen her in probably 15 years maybe, but um, actually this August is the 20th anniversary of that show. So we want to try and meet up and um, and all get together, you know, because like we still, you know, there's a lot of people that were on the show that like, you know, like Alan Cook was on it. And uh, there's a, just a lot of riders that were on it. And uh, we thought it'd be cool to either. I mean, if we don't all meet up, we could at least all just do like a, you know, FaceTime, you know, big old group FaceTime thing. And, and just record it and put it on the Internet because we that could. would be amazing. We could have you do it. You could organize it. What do you think Let's of that? Let's go. Let's do it. Let's put it on the calendar. I'll give you. I'll give you yeah, put it on the calendar. The um, I know it. I know it started. It, it was August. Um, it came. The show came out August second of two thousand three. I know that because it's my brother's birthday. I told him that was his birthday present. He just looked at me. <laughs> my brother's not that big in the BMX. I'm like. Eric, I got a big present for you. Today at 12 o'clock, put on MTV. And he's like, why? I'm like, you know that thing I've been doing? Well, I dedicated the show to you. He's like, what are you talking about? So, <laughs> Thanks, dude. <laughs> he's, he's not in the BMX at all. He's not into anything I do just because that's how older brothers are. He's just like, what are you? Like, I mean, my brother is just like, dude, what are you doing riding these bikes? Like when we were kids, he was just like, you should be playing football. You know, you're like nine foot one and 700 pounds you should be out on the football field killing people and i was like football's really not that fun i'll watch it i love watching football go eagles but uh i'm not very athletic yeah and that went that and that that moved on to my bmx career i wasn't very athletic but you know i still got the job done when i had to <laughs> where you're like hey i'm i'm gonna go not play football and go hang out with some of the biggest legends in yeah. the entire culture of people hell yeah that's yeah it would be really sick though if you guys when you talk did something just to talk about maybe the experience or something like that oh yeah no no i'm i'm telling you let's let's do it we could do um in sometime in august when it's the 20th anniversary we can put you in charge of the 20th <sighs> anniversary show live yeah let's... without a doubt without a doubt uh, it's funny you mentioned August 2003. That's literally three years before I even started riding. What? What are you, like 12? Holy cow. I mean, no. You're a little kid. I'm, I'm 29. <laughs> oh, 29. That's, I remember 29 was a good year. That's so long. I'd pay money to be 29. <laughs> I'd pay money to be 39. <laughs> I think a lot of people would pay money for that. I think that's yeah. an entire industry in the world. Yeah. So were you involved with any other MTV stuff after that? No, they did a show. They did one show called uh, Bumped, Bruised, and something where they had like the the top 20 action sports moments. And Kristen's backflip was like number like six or something. So that was pretty much it. Um, uh, that was the only, yeah, that was the only thing we did gotcha. after that. And then like, you know, MTV after that, like they, um, I thought sort of like after it happened, like they were, they had other things like they were like, Hey, do you want to do this? Do you want to do that? And I was like, yeah, I'd love to do it. But 
they don't pay you anything. Like mm-hmm. MTV wouldn't pay you money. They're just like, oh, you'll be a superstar. And I'm like, well, superstars don't, you know, that doesn't pay anything, you know. So, um, so then that stuff just never happened, you know. Wow, it sounds like today. Things yeah. are still like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They want to, like a place like MTV, they have a gazillion dollars, but they didn't want to pay the person. They wanted to host a show. They just want you to show up and maybe give you, you know, $40 and then send you on your way. So crazy. Um, so, so what happens after the Mage show? I mean, this was, you said 2003. Yeah, 2003. I mean, it, it, it played for, for a couple years and then, um, and then that was pretty much it. And then by that time, everything was, everything was YouTube, you know, like if you wanted to see something, mm-hmm. everything was on YouTube. There weren't many, uh, you know, like even now, like today, kids don't watch TV, right? Like kids literally don't watch TV. Like my son, I have a 13 year old and he, he'll, he'll look at YouTube all day on his phone. We have a TV that has YouTube, you know, you can put it on, on there and he won't, he just watches it on his phone, mm-hmm. but they, they don't, there's no like, Hey, I got to get up early to watch whatever show because now everything's just right there right but as far as like you know, what you were up to after the show what i was up to just just back to life just back to you know working i got um i got married in 2006 yeah did we get married in 2006 yeah, 2000, <laughs> yeah two, 2006 oh, i got God. married and then um but we still like uh my like me and like my core group of friends we still always went to uh we'd go to woodward uh east we'd go to woodward west uh we'd make numerous trips to greenville like every year we'd go starting by around like i guess like 2001 2000 or 2001 is when when dave got his big house in in greenville like he, he'd lived in greenville since 90 94 maybe 95 and then he got this big house built and then he kind of reconnected with our friend Gary. Gary was the guy I said was was the superstar when we were kids. Gary Pollock and Gary Pollock and Dave were on were on GT together back in like ninety one, ninety one, ninety two. So Dave was like the little kid, and Gary was like the the seasoned you know pro or whatever. Um, and then when we started going to Woodward, we'd run into Dave, and then he was like, "Oh my God, hey, there's Gary!" And then we started going to we started going to Greenville, and that was like a that was a whole nother experience that was great because we go to Greenville, Dave's this like huge superstar. And, you know, we knew Dave when he was like 12 and then we get to Greenville and the scene there was so like, it was unbelievable. Just like 20 legit pros, just like on a, on a Thursday afternoon, just riding at Dave's warehouse and then going out at night. And it was awesome. Like, because for us, we just totally got to relive our youth. You know what I mean, and it was, and we were with way cooler people. You know what I mean? It was like it was, it was, it, it was so much fun. So we'd go, we'd go to Greenville. Gosh, I think sometimes we'd go four times a year, um, and we'd just go and hang out. We'd just pick random days to go there, and um, and just go there and ride. And uh, I mean, I didn't ride at all, but my friends would. You know, they they'd be thirty some years old with the high seat posts, showing up at Dave's ramp doing. You know, or Dave's warehouse, and you know Warren would be busting out decade jumps at 35 years old. Maybe like, who are these dudes riding? Like, like no one knew who we were. They were just like, Dave's got these old men that are here, and they're riding, and they're funny as shit. They're picking on Dave left and right because we 
we never we didn't give give Dave a pass once he became a superstar. We still just picked on him like he was when he was twelve because Dave was a ball buster when we were kids. When he was twelve and we were seventeen, eighteen, we would rough him up and he'd give it right back. He didn't back down, and that's that's what we really liked about him when we were kids. Is he was really good, but he was uh, he was funny as shit, man. Yeah, totally funny. And and I guess now would be as good a time as ever. I mean, this whole entire thing we're doing right now spawned from Stony old fat guy BMX. He's in the chat right now, hitting me up about doing an interview with you about some stuff that you're going to be bringing to the Buckeye BMX show. But it was all based around Dave Mira. And somehow I didn't plan for this. I asked you a couple days ago about doing this today. I didn't plan for this. Yeah. But this all came from Dave Mira and today's Dave Mira's birthday. His birthday. How crazy yep. is that? That's, I noticed that today. I was like, wait a minute. I'm like, today's his birthday. I was like, that's crazy. Pretty yeah, it's, it's weird how stuff like that happens, isn't it? Cause, weird timing. Yeah, really weird. Uh, but with that, I mean, first, before we get into that talk, uh, I got to shout out a couple things. Joe Sisman said, hey, I don't have much time. I'm going to watch Return of the Pink Panther with Angie. <laughs> Love you, Ray. That's, <laughs> <laughs> That's a standard Joe Sisman text. He, he turns into a different person after 5 o'clock. He and his wife, you know, they have these lavish dinners that he makes. Um, and then they uh, they get a bottle of uh, Bulgarian wine and uh, sit back and they have their cat in between them and then they watch bad, bad movies. <laughs> Sounds great. Sounds like a perfect yeah. life. Um, yeah, he has the perfect life, that kid. <laughs> that's awesome. And then maybe after we talk about the uh, Buckeye BMX stuff, Todd Carter said, Ray, please share your Gravity Games story. What's my Gravity Games story? Todd. Fill us in about what gravity game story you're talking about, and then we're gonna gravity get. Game. Let me. I'm gonna. I'm gonna write something down real quick. I'm not gonna say it yet, but I'm gonna write it down, and then we'll we'll talk about it. So, I'm sure Todd will catch us up by the time we get to it. I probably have like 19 gravity game stories. He's gonna be a little more specific on. He has to give me a person's name, and I'll know what he's talking about. Yeah. I think we'll get it. So yeah. The whole Mira thing with the Buckeye BMX show. Just give me kind of the rundown. Oh, yeah. So I was, um, I do a show with, with my friends Factor Freestyle, and we just, we talk a lot of nonsense. We try and figure out, uh, we talk all about old school BMX and stuff. And my job is just to pick on Dave Norrie the whole time, and I'm really good at it. I'm like <laughs> the best in the world. I am the best in the world at picking on Dave Norrie. So, um, so they were talking about this Buckeye thing, and I was like, you know what? I still have. I I had thousands of dollars worth of I mean like I had I had thirty five complete bikes at one point, maybe twenty five complete bikes. And I just wound over the years just like getting rid of everything. So now I'm like really to the point where I still love all the stuff that happened back in the day, but I have a lot of stuff that I could still get rid of. And if I get rid of it, it's not like I'm getting rid of it. It's just basically sharing it with other people that might want it. Mm-hmm. You know, because I know that there's I have a few things that don't mean anything to like they mean something to me, but they just they're just stuff. Yeah. But there might be somebody that'd be like, dude, I would love to have that. You know, like I have a lot of old posters, you know, that people that are just going to get thrown out someday. But maybe there's that one dude that has his just moved into a house and has a garage and might want to put this Haro poster on there. So yeah. I got stuff like that. So that gave me the idea. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to get all my stuff 
which isn't a lot, and I'm going to go to this Buckeye thing and sell it and see if people really want to buy this crap. So I was going through a bunch of stuff in my garage, and I had a bag. I had a bag that was in Dave's car that I bought from him. I bought a Celine Mustang off him. That's a whole other story. Um, and I had all this stuff in the bag. So when I was going through the bag, um, I was like, I have Dave. I have Dave's registration from his Celine Mustang. So I have like Whoa. Dave Mears. I I I have his, I have his registration. You know, has his license plate, the title, his his autograph. Whoa. Where he, you know where he had to sign it. So. And then when I bought the car, I was like, well, how do I get out of here? Like, which way do I go? Because, you know, we'd always travel with – this is like before we had, like, GPS and, and all that crap. So Dave wrote me directions on how to get out of his driveway. It's, like, it's just like, like go, go right out of my driveway and then make a left on the whatever. So, like, just stuff like that's pretty funny. But there might be somebody who likes collecting odd stuff. Yeah. And – you know, here's the, uh, like, here's the other Dave paid, Dave paid $20 for his, for his license yeah. or license plate sticker. Um, a lot of people don't know that Dave had, Dave had his own bubble gum. Whoa, I didn't know. <laughs> he had, yeah. He had his own big league type chew. If you ever saw big league chew. Yeah. That's so sick. So. So this is stuff like just these things right here. This is stuff that was like in the bottom of a bag yeah. that I'd probably throw out. And but just like your reaction right there, you'd be like, dude, this is this is really cool stuff. It is. You know? So we were at the X game or X yeah, it's probably like the X Games one year and they were having like a party and Dave for like his video game Dave Mirror BMX freestyle battle and you could go there and play Dave and go up against him like it has the date and all that stuff so there's junk like that he had a big jam at his house at his um he had the, his animal house jam yeah if that back in 09 hold that on the in front of your face on the screen there you go <laughs> perfect okay there we go yeah we're good now yeah so um so i got goofy stuff like that uh when dave was in dub Dub magazine, Whoa. like, like, and see, this is the kind of thing where it was really awesome, but we didn't let it be awesome. We would just make fun of them. Like, <laughs> we probably, amazing. Yeah, we would come up with like thirty-five different jokes about Dave being in this, like, um, just stuff like that. And then we got, oh, this is like, like, and so like this stuff. I, I mean, like this stuff, like this stuff. I don't know what to do with because it's like you can't like really sell it, but I. And I could keep it forever, but then would somebody want this stuff? It's just kind of goofy. But like when Dave when Dave was getting married, he sent out his invitation. Oh yeah. Like he sent out his invitation. He spelled my name wrong each time. That's but he funny. sent out the first invitation to save the date. Then he sent out the next one to say, "Here's when we're getting married." And then the next one was, "Ah, we already got married, psych." So we got three. <laughs> so. So he wound up getting married and not having a wedding. Or he had a wedding, but just didn't have, like, the big, goofy wedding that everybody has. Um, and so then um, when I was going through the bag of all the stuff, like, every time we'd go to Greenville, we'd always come home with stuff. 
And then this one, this is the only one that would be hard to part with, but I think there's somebody out there that would love this. So when you picture, when you see Dave wearing his full face helmet, yeah, what do you what do you see if you get a close up of Dave? Oh, and it's his uh, oh, it's yeah. his eyes, and then he's got his full face, and what's on that full face? Right there. What is it? The Slim Jim sticker. Oh my goodness, you can't. That's the that's the sticker that just probably never like you know they probably gave him ten stickers you can't. and then he. I'm just saying there's. There's somebody out there that would want this more than me. This is just laying in the bottom of a bag. You better put it in, up for auction or something. Don't just be like, hey, uh, so I'll give you 20 bucks for it, you know? Look, we can. I can be like, look, I got directions to his house. I'm leaving his house. I got, I got, oh, here's something, too. When I, bought, when I bought his car, I drove home with his North Carolina license plate, and he called me up, and he's like, yo, Ray, I need that license plate back because... You know, you can't get you can't like get another license plate unless you like trade that one in. So I had the FedEx. I got the FedEx receipt from back when uh, when oh, I had to nice. send my the thing back. Yeah. I don't think this personal information will hurt him because you know no one's there anymore. But um, so I just got so that's the stuff that Stony was wigging out on. Yeah. That I have all this. I have all this Dave Mirror stuff. Oh, this is pretty funny. So my friend Mark Eaton. Uh, he and the Plywood Hoods, uh, Kevin Jones, uh, Mark Eaton, Brett Downs, they took Dave under his wing in York, Pennsylvania, uh, the Plywood Hoods, and they basically taught Dave how to become Dave Mira. Yeah. And, um, and so we were at Mark Eaton's wedding, and Dave was supposed to be there but didn't show up because he was probably riding doing something. Uh-huh. And, you know, at a wedding, when the and you can find out at the wedding, like, who never showed up? because they're like little party favor or their table thing that says what table they're at. So Dave never went, so I stole his cookie. So this is Dave Mirror table four, and he got the chicken. That's so <laughs> and, cool. And the cookie's a little crumbled right now. I would, if somebody, I would let somebody eat that cookie. That's from 1996. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, you know, you got to get a good glass of milk and then you might be able to knock that down. Oh, God. You know? And so, oh, and here's, these are just, uh, when you would go to his, when you'd go to his warehouse, you couldn't swing a dead cat by the tail without hitting about 20 of these. Oh, you know, my goodness. The ramp sticker. That is incredible. And then, the, um, and then, I'll give you the short version of this story, but Dave, and and I don't know how exact this, this is like, again, my version of the story, because I I heard it six different times, and I got six different um, stories about it, but, so when Dave did the deal for this, this thing that every Mm -hmm. kid had, um, the company that did this, they put Dave's picture on all the, they, they, they basically used his picture for other stuff, and instead of giving him three cents a a bike or a, a, a unit, they were giving him three dollars. So like the first month, he got a check for like two two hundred thousand bucks, and they're like, "Hey, Holy cow. we gotta we have to buy you out of your contract because of this toy." And so they said, "We'll get you anything you want, like a car. We need to get you a one time gift." So to be like almost like a jerk. Dave goes, I want Steve Celine's Mustang and showed him a picture of his 
1999 Celine Mustang that was his like per- personal car and literally in four weeks it was at Dave's house wow and so when we would go to Greenville that car would be there and then we'd be talking all this nonsense about it and I went there and, and I actually bought it off twice I bought it once started driving it home and it blew up the like a belt broke and then I drove it home again and the belt broke again and then uh, and then I wind up getting it but I had I had Dave's car for about six or seven years and then eventually sold it but that's where that came from so you're gonna have all this stuff or most of this stuff well yeah i mean this stuff i'll have i'll bring just to see if anyone if there's any type of like dude that would want this you know like i have a bunch of like i have i got one of gary pollock's old bikes his last gt that i that i just bought off a friend that that bought it off him um i have a lot of posters i got a bunch of magazines um and just a bunch of other junk I'm just bringing, you know what I mean? Yeah. Nothing that, nothing that crazy, but it's just, uh, it's just stuff. But my stuff might be the stuff that I think's trash that I might throw out. Somebody might look at it and be like, Oh my God, I've been looking for this, you know? Yeah. So, so that event, the Buckeye BMX show is June 3rd this year. Yes. It's coming June. And I don't know where it's at. So you're going to have to find that information. people. It's in Ohio. I know that. it's in Ohio. And, I can't remember if I have anything going on, but I remembered while you were talking about all of this stuff that I might actually have something to help contribute to all of this. And that, uh, when I first started this YouTube channel, I was like trying to figure out, you know, what to do with things. And, and I thought, you know, I'm, I'm good at drawing. Maybe I'll make videos of me drawing pictures. And so I drew Dave. This is a print. No way. But I drew this. You drew that? This isn't, I'll get the original one out in a minute. This is a print, but I have like a bunch of these that I've, I've made them with intentions to just like sell them as prints. And then I kind of just didn't. So if I can go to the event, I will bring these prints to wherever your table is and like yeah you can sell them. You can, I'll, I'll, you can sell them for whatever you want. We can do whatever with them and yeah, That's whatever crazy. can happen with them. If I could draw that good, I'd be drawing right now. I Listen, think I can't draw a straight line with a ruler. You wouldn't be. <laughs> but no, I, really, I can't draw. I can't like. I could teach I you. I can't draw. Okay, so I have the worst penmanship and drawing skills. So while we're here, That's amazing. I'm gonna get the original out because we're talking about Mira memorabilia. This is one somebody tried to get me to frame this and like send it somewhere but i am sentimentally attached this is another print i have so many prints that i had made that i just never did anything with but i have the original in here actually this is a folder with all of my originals because i drew scotty i drew hoffman i drew a bunch of people where are they at Maybe they aren't in here, but I could have swore they were. Come on, you're a little unprepared, man. You got to be whipping Listen, this stuff out. I haven't touched <laughs> these. Okay, there they go. I think. There we go. I See, think. you just need a little motivation there. There you go. Okay, here we go. So I found Hoffman, but we don't we don't need to show that one, do we? Should I? Has he got clothes on at least? Yeah, he's got. Do you draw him with clothes on? All right. I don't know, Matt's oh my god, I'm scared. I'm scared to touch it. 
Okay. My wife said on our wedding night. <laughs> so here's the one I did of Hoffman. This is the original drawing. Dude. You can see the pencil marks on the. Have, have people that like know like. Give me some other comments other than me that people have talked because that's crazy. Uh, like that's like the detail on that. It look, it's like a photo. I try, man. So I, mean, I found the Mira one. The original Mira drawing. This is the original God, Mira. I signed it over there. Um, yeah, so I will bring the prints. The, the original drawing is something that I'll probably never Yeah, no, keep those with. forever. But just, just that and the Hoffman print. Dude, people would buy those. I'd buy them. <laughs> well, I have them. I literally have prints of Hoffman's, too. Uh, do you want to see the Doyle one while we're here? I want to see all of them, yeah. <laughs> I did one of Doyle. What? What are, you, what are you drawing that with? Like, Is that like a pencil or a you wanna, pen? Or... Do you really want to know? What? I, I don't have the. I don't have any here, but literally the Dixon Ticonderoga pencil... The, I don't even know what that means, it's but the, it's, it it's sounds the fancy. yellow pencil that you've used before. Just like the pencil that I failed all my tests in high school with? Yes, that's what you use? that is the pencil. Dude, I only that use sick. that one. How how old were you when you when you first drew something and somebody went, gee, Brent, that's really good. Like, Were you like a little kid? So, no, actually. There's actually kind of a cool story behind it. I don't want to, like, railroad this podcast with it. Just give us it. the short version. Yeah. Okay. So, basically, the reason that I learned I could draw is because in high school, you had to do either choir, band, or foreign language, or uh, art. And I was like, there's no way in hell I'm singing. There's no way I'm playing an instrument in band. I'm not learning a language because I just don't I, I want to. And if I was in that situation, I would have had to, I would have had to been like a, I would have had to been a singer. That's the closest thing I can do as a skill is singing. And it's not that good. Well, so there I'd was bring, that. I have to bring a six pack and sing when I was in like eighth grade for it to be good, like karaoke but <laughs> So like I've been screwed. I just was like, "There's, I'm not, I'm not doing any of those. I'm just gonna go into art class." And it's funny because my teacher will literally be like, to this day, tell people like, when he came in here, he was like, "I hate art. I don't want to be here." And right. then, whoa, I just had a moment. So you could probably be a, a gnarly tattoo artist. People say that, but it's not unless it's what you're passionate about. You just don't. Yeah, draw I mean, I'm just, I'm just saying, as in, I'm saying, as in, um skill wise because i know like tattooing is probably like i've seen some tattoos that look like that where they're so oh, like the realism they're so perfect yeah so and it's just like it seems like it'd be hard to do i don't know i've never gotten a tattoo so but it just sounds like it looks like it'd be something you could do so to keep the story going there uh we we're in art class and we're learning about grid drawing, which is where you, you know, you draw the grid on there and then you draw the grid on your picture and then you just basically draw it from one to the other, making it bigger. And I drew, I think the first thing I drew, if I'm not mistaken, I'm going to have to check here. I don't want to be wrong, but I'm fairly certain the fir the thing that I drew in that grid thing was a picture of Mira. Whoa. 
Yeah, that's why I'm kind of like, what? And if, and if you tell me that it was on April 4th, I'm going to go nuts. I don't know. I'd have to find the picture. I don't have any kind of... I don't know where I'd find it. But I know that I, I drew a picture of Mira, and that was what led me... Do I have the other one in here? No. So I drew a picture of Mira, and then it made me realize I could draw, kind of. And then... I don't know if you'll be able to see this somehow. Let me see if I can put it in the chat for you so you could click on it and see it. So then I drew that. A nose pick. Foot, see that. A little foot jam. And I was like, oh, hey, that's kind of kind of decent. I feel like I could kind of do this. So the next one that I drew that I remember was this. And I'm only showing it because I have the original right here. You can't see it. Let me fix that for you. No, you got to pull it back or put it forward or I'll just see it here. There we go. So this was the first thing that I like really drew that was like, whoa. Is that dude coming up off a ramp and there's a dude on a ramp? I'm just riding, like a... No, I'm just riding down my driveway, taking a picture driving of myself. Oh, uh, okay. And then in the corner, I, uh, I'm doing a tire tap, I but I had to, yeah, yeah. it's okay. opposite tire tap because I had to flip the, picture to put it in that corner based on the photo I drew it from. Yeah. So yeah, I just, I found out that I could draw and then that was what That's I thought crazy. I had to do in life because it was what I was good at. So I was going to go to college for like fine art. I was going to yeah. become an artist and yeah. So that's where I found out about the school that I went to and ended up with video because someone told me that you can do video as a job. And I was like, wait a minute. Yeah. You could do that. So yeah, to get back to the point of things, I have all of these prints of Mira, and I will bring them if I can make it to this show. Yeah, I'll bring everything. I want to. I want to see people's reactions because my reaction crazy, and I'm looking at it on a on a iPhone. You know, yeah. I just think they're they're just they just they look like the thing is those they look like photos i've seen before but it's a drawing you know it's, well, it's crazy it's from a photo that you've seen before right yeah no i know the photo that's why i'm saying like i think i remember dave wearing that shirt around his house before like that's what <laughs> creeps me out it's like yeah it's i recognize that shirt so yeah we're gonna make that happen as long as i can somebody said that it's in dayton so you're that's gonna it. yeah you're gonna have all of the stuff that you showed in dayton June 3rd. June 3rd, yeah. And I think I'm going to have to try and make it. That'd be awesome. So, there was something else someone told me about, and you said you have it right there, because yeah. you have other right crazy here. BMX memorabilia, and I'm going to let you tell the story. So, so when... um, So, in... I always get the year wrong. I'm going to go with 1989. Sounds 1989, uh, there was a contest in, there was a King of Vert in Canada. And Matt Hoffman did the very first in competition 900. Yeah. And Dave, Vol Dave Volker was doing them and almost landing them. And basically, Matt. And Volker were going back and forth. And there's always been talk about Mike Dominguez did one and landed one at home, which I believe because Dominguez would have zero reason to lie. 
because he's Mike Dominguez. But he said he tried them and he landed them, but just never at a contest. And uh, so at this King of Vert, Matt tried it a couple times and and lands it, and the place goes nuts. And when he lands, something falls off his bike. And in the video, there's different angles, and you can see something fall off his bike. And um, when he fell off his bike, it was his it was his pop swatch. There, so the big thing back then was where to wear twenty swatches, and then they had the new swatch. It was a pop swatch, and the clasp just like was a plastic thing that popped off. And a kid grabbed the watch and gave it back to Matt. He said, "Hey, this fell," and Matt got it and put it on. And I was standing right there when the kid gave it to Matt, and Matt put it back on. And I looked at that watch and I was like, "Dude, Matt just did a nine hundred. He's wearing that watch." And I had some, I don't even know what watch I had. I said, Matt, here's my watch. I want to trade you for that watch. And he's like, nah, that's okay. And I'm like, full Jedi mind trick. I'm like, Matt, I am going to trade you that watch for that watch. And he's like, okay. And Matt gave me the watch. So the, the, uh, when Matt did the 900, the watch fell off. And this is the piece of history. Matt's watch. Whoa. From the 900. And just by chance, when I was talking to Joe Sisman, I said, hey, when Matt did that 900, I I gave a tape to Ron Wilkerson to play. And Joe goes, you DJed Matt's 900, which is true. And when um, when you would do an AFA contest, you'd have your tape and you'd have your, your name and your uh, – and your your class, I was nineteen over expert. Yeah. So this was the tape. This was my tape that I had from an AFA contest that had all these songs on it. So this was playing when Matt did the nine hundred. This is the watch he was wearing that fell off when he did the nine hundred. And an added bonus, Kevin Martin, the announcer for Two Hip and the contest that day. This is his watch, a pops watch. Jeez. <laughs> so I got these three things from back then just goof like just this kind of stuff now this this has been these have been sitting forever just like whatever and like what do you do with them like these are just going to get thrown out someday now this i could take to the bmx hall of fame and make a thing and they could hang it up um but i just don't know if people would be that into a watch at the bmx museum i you know? think it's just kind of cool and if you had if you like wrote out the story in a paragraph yeah, and it could go on like a a plaque or something in front of yeah. it with the tape. You know, you make like you have like a picture frame type thing. The watch is hanging in there. The tape's right yeah. beside it. And there's there's a swatch ad with him wearing this watch, and the background of the of the ad is this watch. Yeah, so, so you could put that with know. it too. It would it'd be yeah. really really cool to do that, and that'd be awesome. That's so wild, though, and I'm not gonna lie. I'd never seen one of those before, so I did not. You've never, seen... yeah. Like the the whole thing about a pop swatch is that, and I've oh my god, I've never done this. It pops out. Okay, don't break it. Wow, can... I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> so you 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 take it off, and then you put it in your shirt, and then you'd go like that. That's why it's called a pop swatch. <laughs> In the world. Isn't that crazy? That yeah. is crazy. So, like you, so you could wear your watch like on your shirt 
that's you know what's so funny is I've never done that before. Like I remember people used to do it back in the day, but I never did it with this. Wow, that's what if it had like a secret note on the back or something like "Go, Matt." <laughs> right. But, <laughs> or like a that's cheat code written on it. It's like yeah. an, an up, down, left, right arrow. <laughs> that's so funny. Wow. I'll pop this one. I'll pop Kevin Martin's and see what happens here. His actually, his looks a little more beat up. Yeah, that's scary. I would not I'm be not doing do that. No, I'm not going to do it. I, I won't pop. But anyway, so that's that's the dumb stuff I have. Um, back when back in the AFA days, everybody had one of these. Every oh, kid yeah. wore the Vision hip sack. I thought that was a, a face mask from 2020. <laughs> yeah, it could be. <laughs> but, um, and then in here, I just had, like, back in the day, you could use these almost as currency, because and well today now they're worth a ton, but these are club homeboy stickers. Oh, and if you don't wow. know what a club homeboy sticker is, then you're missing out on stuff. Mm-hmm. But so um, I got some goofy stickers, but I got some ET cards. Wow, that's so cool. Yeah, and I named my son Elliot because of ET. Believe it or not. <laughs> that's funny. My, my wife and I were trying to pick names and we couldn't come up with anything. And then I just threw Elliot out there. She's like, where'd you get Elliot from? And I'm like, and my friend was a stunt double for Elliot. If you know who, cause you, you know who Seppi Mays is, of course, right? Of course you do. Uh, why wouldn't you? Somebody, yeah. the, I mean, if there was more than one stunt double from ET, he, there were, there was a bunch. One of he, them, he was the actual Elliot in the chat with us. Sometimes I can't remember yeah. off the top of my head. I'm surprised you didn't do anything with uh, Bill Allen's name involved in, in <laughs> Rad. <laughs> Come on, well, we're gonna we're gonna see you and I are gonna see Bill Allen. No, listen. I have Stony oh, told I'm, I'm me dreading the day oh. to ask you about Rad, and I don't know why. I, I have. I have the, let me okay first of all I've met Bill Allen a few times briefly but didn't really engage in conversation with him um Bill Allen is is a good guy he's a nice guy there's no reason for me to dislike him at all mm-hmm. but I dislike <laughs> I dislike him because I feel like I dislike him but I don't like like if he's gonna be at this thing and I think I'm gonna I think I'm going to be friends with him if if the opportunity is there. Yeah. I don't. I mean, it, he shouldn't even care about a dude like me because I shouldn't matter to him, which yeah. is just it's just real. But what it comes down to is, he showed up, did a acting gig, and was a he was in a movie. He was in a movie that was pretty bad, but now it's like a leg, now it's like a cult classic, uh-huh. and he's the guy that was the main character. But so he goes to BMX events now, and he makes money off of men like me my age who watched that movie and i fortunately i'm not a big fan of the movie rad it's not like even when it came out we thought it was kind of lame and as we watch it as adults it's really lame um we felt that we were kind of we were hoodwinked in thinking it was gonna be a great movie because the opening scene in rad got us so pumped up like so pumped up they were all the biggest stars in the sport. It was the greatest opening of any movie. And then it goes from that to some kid, you know, doing this fake race. You know, it's just like, so anyway, 
I just have a, I just, it all started. One of my friends went to, to some thing to one of these bike shows and he's like, Oh, I got Bill Allen's autograph. And I go, who's Bill Allen? And he goes, he's the guy that played, that played crew Jones. I go, Oh, what was that guy doing there? And he's like, he was selling his autograph. And I was like, to who? And he goes, well, to me, I bought his autograph. And I'm like, you paid money for that dude's autograph. So I just think it's very, I mean, like if he was doing, if, if rad was, was him doing a rodeo, he wouldn't be at the Buckeye thing. He'd be in Texas, Mm. you know, petting a bull and selling it to some kid wearing a cowboy hat. Yeah. I just think that, you know, I just, and there's nothing wrong with what he's doing. I just myself think it's a little silly and I like to rough him up about it. So (laughs) I I just had to bring it up. Yeah. Did Todd, did Todd, or yeah. Did Todd say what the gravity game story was? Yes. Okay. So let me go back here. We got a couple things there. Uh, First, Dave Norrie's long gone by now, but he said, good night, Brandon Ray coach. I'm going to record another eighties show hack how to video. (laughs) I call Dave an eighties show hack. That's, Cause he kind of is, but you know, that's funny. Uh, Mike Hagen, Hagen, how do you say that? I don't know. He said, Wow, all the geezers are in the chat. I, I kid, big respect to Nori Carter. I was an 80s kid. I'm just scrolling back. Uh, Kurt Schmidt's hanging out with us. I know who he is. Yeah, Kurt's rad. So, oh man, I think I went too far. Uh, where's the Gravity Games comment? Oh, there we go. Okay, so does that have to do with Laird Hamilton? No, he said when you were in the boat, etc. Oh, that's from the Maid Show. Like I had to take a boat to get in there. That's not even a story. Something about for last the thing he said was Ray. Please share your Gravity Games story. Then the next thing he said was. When you were in the boat, etc. Yeah, pass on that. That's not even off the yell at him about that. I thought it was something good. I thought it was when I pushed Gabby Reese's husband and didn't know who he was. <laughs> do you, you know? You know do, you, do you know who Gabby Reese is? I think I've talked about Gabby Reese in my last two podcasts. Oh, okay. <laughs> so her husband. I we were at the grab. My friend Kenan worked the Gravity Games, and we yep. met Gabby Reese there. So every year we go there, we meet Gabby, and she's like she's the coolest chick in the world. We became friends with her, and she was like, "Hey, can you do me a favor? Tomorrow my husband's going to be here, but I'm going to be working all day. Can he hang out with you guys?" So we're like, "Sure. What's what's your husband do? What's his deal?" She's like, "He's a surfer, and he's coming here to hang out for the next couple of days." I know nothing about surfing, so. I'm roughing up Gabby like all day. And she's like, well, when my husband comes here tomorrow, I'm, you're going to be in trouble. Just all joking stuff. So he shows up and I see him and I just walk up to him and he's getting ready to say hi to me. Like Gabby's like, oh, here comes that guy, Ray, blah, blah, blah. And I just walked up to him and gave him the biggest shove you could give somebody. <laughs> and people are just looking like, dude, what is up with this dude? And then I'm like, oh, hey, what's up? And um, so we, we hung out all like probably, I mean, not all weekend. Maybe like a day and a half, just hung out, explained to him what was going on, went out to eat, and just had a great time. Uh, we were making fun of him because he was in a movie. He was in the movie The North Shore, and we were ripping on him about that. But other than that, I didn't know anything about him. And then a couple of days later, a friend of mine came over who I hadn't seen in years, and he's like, "Oh, I've just been, I've been in, you know, down the shore, which is the ocean, what people call the ocean, mm. um, or the beach." 
And he's like, I've just been surfing. And I start showing him these pictures from the Gravity Games. And he goes, dude, where did you meet Laird Hamilton? And I'm like, who? And he goes, Laird, because I just called him Laird. Laird, I didn't even know his last name. And he's like, Laird Hamilton, this guy right here. He's like, you're standing next to him. I'm like, oh, I was like, I was like, that's Gabby Reese's husband. And he's like, dude, Laird's one of the greatest surfers in the world. And I'm like, what? And he, to tell you how, how old this is, he went out to his car and got a DVD or, or a tape or a VHS. And he's like, here, watch this. And it was Laird Hamilton. So um, I found out that I was picking on a, the most legendary surfer in the history of the world for a, a week or for a day and a half. And they didn't know it. And I think that's probably why why he was having so much fun because I had no clue who he was. And I think a, maybe a lot of people there didn't know mm-hmm. that he was who he was because a lot of people don't, you know, out this way don't know much about surfing. So yeah, funny. well, I feel like you know you were probably just treating him like just another person, and that's what yeah. people like the most is when you treat them just like a person. Yeah, without a doubt. That's pretty amazing, though, that you pushed Laird Hamilton without even going. I gave him a shove. <laughs> like, imagine. I mean, he could, he could totally kick my ass, too, because he's, he's a big man. He's well, imagine a if he he's did. A, a fit. Oh, I had plenty of homies there with me. You kidding me? I got, you know, my friends would have jumped off the ramp to come save Large Red. <laughs> oh, I guess you're right. That's a good point. Yeah, no, I just would have got him in a bear hug and laid on him until, <laughs> until I could, you know, suffocate him. And then, then I would – actually, but then Gabby, she's she's pretty fit too. And she's like 6'3". She'd probably just choke me out. So. <laughs> Can you imagine the headlines after something like that? <laughs> yeah. Ray Ray gets in a fight with Gabby Reese and Laird Hamilton. <laughs> Ray gets choked out by Gabby Reese. But, <laughs> but at the end, they all went to uh, they all went to the uh, Cheesecake Factory. At the end. <laughs> That's amazing. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, it's funny. My last three podcasts were surrounded by that Gravity Games because my last one was with Doyle, who got second in dirt. The one before that was with TJ, who won. And then the one before that was Biz, who got third. And at least TJ and Chris brought up Gabby. I don't know if Biz... I don't think Biz did because we didn't talk about Gravity Games. Yeah, it's pretty funny. That's awesome. And then uh, you were you mentioned Kenan, so I I did a react video where I just watched some of the different. Uh, I watched Dirt and I watched Street, and I reacted to it. And I hear yeah. Kenan in there, and I don't know who's announcing until I see him on screen, and I'm like, holy crap, Kenan's the one who's been announcing this whole time. Yeah. Kenan Harkin, he's the inventor of the, he's the first guy to ever do a backflip 360. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I would love to chat with him one day. Oh, he can talk. He can talk more than me, man. Oh, I would but love to. But the only way you'll get a hold of him is if you jump in his swamp wearing an alligator suit. Dude, I have lizards like... right there. I mean. Oh, then you're in. Then you're in. That's all you had to say. I'll if just you have a put lizard... it on my shoulder and. <laughs> yep, then you're in. He'll do it. That's funny. Either way, yeah, just planting seeds because I would love to make that happen. But oh yeah. So like, do what other BMX memorable? B, I can't say that word. You know what I mean? Memorabilia. memorabilia. I don't. Have, I really don't have. I really don't have much. I don't have. Um, I mean, I was. I was there for a lot of stuff that happened, but actual physical junk. I just. I don't have. Just this little bit of stuff. 
you know? Yeah. Are you bringing not, not, not much. any of the non-Mira stuff or? Yeah. Oh, that's what I'm mainly bringing. This is just like, this is just, this is just in a bag. This wasn't even a lot of, like, it's not a lot of stuff. What I'm going to bring is I have two different bikes. I have, I have a 90, a 92 or three GT, um, whatever team model, whatever Gary, it's the last bike that Gary got from GT. Mm-hmm. Then I got a, I got a, like a 80 or no, like a 92, uh, Chrome DMC mongoose that I have that I'm going to sell. And then I have a whole bunch of leathers from Mark Eaton, like, uh, like mongoose leathers, Haro leathers, GT leathers. Um, I got a bunch of, uh, DVDs from Mark to sell, uh, for Joe kid on a stingray. If you ever saw Joe kid on a stingray, um, I have a bunch of magazines and I have about five or six posters that are mounted on, on PVC or what we call Cintra board. Mm-hmm. I have some of that. Um, and that's pretty much it. I don't have a ton of stuff, but I have enough to like fill up a table. I, I, and I have a bunch of old shirts nice. that I was going to get rid of. Um, but that's pretty much it. I don't, I a, a few parts. I have some uh, old Haro mouth guard and visor for a helmet that nobody would wear, but people that are trying to like redo some old school stuff would be able to use it. And that's pretty much it. And I have this, I have the, I have the uh, Slim Jim can. Whoa, <laughs> dude, that is so cool. Like I get, and it's, it's mint condition. I guess Dave, Dave had these, uh, he had Slim Jim. When you go to his house, he'd have Slim Jim's Red Bull. And what else did he have? He'd have a bunch he would get Red Bull delivered to his house, and he wasn't even sponsored by him. But they just knew that like he had a lot of traffic in and out of his house, so uh-huh. Red Bull would just send him. They sent him like a fridge, and then and then Red Bulls, and like stuff used to just show up at his house. Like he, the UPS would just show up. Here, here's a TV. Like somebody just sent it to you because they know, and like and this is like before like like I said social media before like now you know, you got an Instagram page, you take pictures of it and do whatever. But it's uh. Yeah, it's. I always think about what, what Dave would be doing now if he, if he, uh, you know, he could have had it all going on, mm-hmm. and uh, it's it's pretty beat that he, uh, he he would have been able to do a lot of he would have been able to do a lot of good stuff, and I yeah. just don't think he knew it. You know, he could have he could have done anything. That dude could have done anything. He could have he could have done anything and been successful. But I just think he just had. Um, there's just too much stuff going on with a man, but yeah, it sucks. Definitely showed he could literally do anything. Yeah, and I, the thing the thing that I liked about Dave the most is something that I don't have, and he was the most competitive dude mm. I've ever seen. Like he, like I, I'm not competitive at all. I don't give a shit if I lose something. Ah, you lose whatever. He did not like to lose. And that was like the thing that was fun to watch with him where, you know, he always had to win. And when I mean had to win, like I'm talking, if we were playing darts right now and I threw a dart and I got a bullseye, Dave would not leave until he got two bullseyes. You know what I mean? <laughs> he would have to be better than you. Yeah. And if you're like, hey, look, we're leaving, we're going, he'd be like, he'd go and buy a dartboard and set it up until he got – you know, was awesome at darts. And then the next time he saw you, he'd go, Hey, let's go play some darts. And then he would win. He'd kill you in darts. And then, 
that's the way he was. And that, that always fascinated me about him, how he did not take no for an answer when it came down to like winning shit. And that's why he was so good at what he did, man. He, he was good. You know, he had all the skill and on top of it, not only did he have the skill, but he had the balls and he had the desire to always be number one. And when you put all that together, you get the superhero Dave Mir that, you know, luckily my friends and I got to see, which was awesome. Superhero covers it pretty well. Yeah. It's uh it's very crazy that today's his birthday and we're doing this and it all came from stuff to do with him. Yeah. It's pretty amazing, I think. Yeah. Um I feel like I've had this conversation with a lot of people, but I I wonder your insight on it. Like, what do you think it would take for there to be just in the world another BMX rider who elevated themselves to the same level of notoriety and just like greatness as Dave? Well, I think you'd have to have you'd have to have a platform like the X Games. You know, you'd have to have something like maybe it'd be the Olympics. Yeah. It'd have to be where something in the Olympics became um, you would because like BMX was pretty much dead. And then when the X games first started, the X games kind of seemed like a joke, but then as time went on, it was like, wow, the X games, like everybody knew who Dave Mira was. Like if you went to, I remember, I forget who told us this, but they were doing a survey in all the high schools in America. And they said, who are your top three who are the top three uh, sport people? Like, who are the most famous? Or maybe not even sports, just like famous people. And it was it was Tony Hawk, Michael Jordan, and Dave Mira. Jeez. Like, Dave Mira got on that list because everybody was watching the X Games, and he was he was so good. And um, so to get so in the BMX world to get BMX that popular again, I don't know. It, I'm I guess it would have to be the Olympics. I don't think. Unless there's a, is the word revitalize or revitalization of the, like now the X Games are on, I don't even watch it. The X Games are on and I'm just like, well, the X Games for me, I lost interest in it when the riders surpassed video games. Mm. Where they literally were doing tricks that if you were playing a video game, you're like, well, no one can do a 1080 or whatever it's called. Like, it's impossible. But then, you know, Ryan Gutler would huck this thing. 1080 or whatever it's called and it's like yeah he just surpassed the video game like a, a guy does a triple backflip bar spin backflip or whatever it is and it's just if people the riding got so good it looked fake mm-hmm. that's that's just the way i looked at it where you know it just looked like i would see somebody do an eight foot 540 and i think that was crazy and that looked so much crazier than if you just did one of those huge big tricks because those big big tricks almost look fake yeah they look like a video game so it's just weird yeah it's kind of crazy to think about that aspect of things and then if you compare it to like snowboarding which seems so much bigger than bmx but you watch snowboarding and i feel like that's how people look at bmx in that way is right they're like he just did a 16 whatever <laughs> and yeah. then he does it and he goes and he spins again and it's like i have no idea how you just tell the told could tell the difference between the two things right. that guy just did but yeah. uh, another thing too that like uh 
Beswick was talking about when we were at Woodward one time is that there used to be this thing to do with X Games or Do Tour or whatever it was that it was the place where everybody showed off their craziest trick that they spent all year learning. And yep. and that that's one of the huge things that social media has taken away for us is that build yep. up to bring something like that up. And and I, we just totally don't have that anymore because of social media. Right. That's a I never thought of that and that's a that's a great one because I remember going to contests when I was a kid and they'd be like, Hey, Kevin Jones has this new trick called the hitchhiker. What is it? And then they would explain it and you couldn't figure it out. And then you'd be waiting all day for Kevin's run. And then he would do the hitchhiker. You'd be like, Oh my God, there it is. Yeah. You know, then you'd have to, you'd have to tell people about her. You'd have a video of it. Um, but now it's like, if you did that sick trick, it's it's live on YouTube, you know, like people have seen it right there and then and then it's like, OK, now what, you know? Yeah. And I, I think it's sort of freestyle motocross is sort of bringing it back a little bit, you know, with Nitro Circus bringing rumblings to like when they did the uh, triple backflip on a dirt bike or Nitro Circus with the quad backflip on a BMX bike. Yeah. They, they brought the excitement to it by like promoting it that they're doing this special thing that's going to be on TV and it's going to show whatever the crazy thing that happened was. And I don't know if BMX will ever get back there, but I feel like for BMX to elevate itself to where it was back then when Mira became Mira, something is going to have to happen that that's brings the excitement back i know what i know what'll have to happen everybody likes a good a good underdog and champion like it's got to be like a rocky type thing yeah. you gotta get a bmx dude like if it's gonna just say it's gonna have what, what what do they call street now park like if you're in a skate park what's that called park yeah park when like okay so you have to have you have to have for the olympics in the park comp do they have a park competition in the olympics now that's all that there's been so far yeah okay well no there's bmx racing oh well, okay been, dude? listen <laughs> i'm i'm of the era where those are right. two completely separate things okay. i don't even think yeah, about yeah. okay yeah all right so anyway what you need is you have to have the olympics okay when are the next olympics 24 right. next year okay so next year so so today you have to have on your on on the world news you got to be like talking about and the olympics are coming to wherever and then you got to have the kid from a kid from venezuela who is 19 years old and you know blah 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 some down on his luck story and he's going to go and win the gold medal for his for venezuela then you're going to have to get this like all american kid from oklahoma and then he's going to come and you got to create the battle mm-hmm. and then everyone's going to watch it live on the Olympics. And that's how you'll get people. You'll get these people rooting for this guy, these people rooting for this guy. And then when they finally go and do it, whoever wins wins. And then you got to get the guy that lost to come over and hug them and make it beautiful. And that's when people will be like, I love this BMX stuff. Yeah, that's what it takes. I'm going to revise it for you. Because we can make this a real scenario right now. So instead of the 19-year-old kid from Venezuela, 
it's the almost 40-year-old Daniel Dares from Venezuela who go. got second in the last Olympics, and he's coming back, and he wants the gold. Go. And then you have... Like Rocky. Yeah, then you have 19-year-old... I think he's 19. He might even be 18 still. Marcus Christopher from Ohio, not Oklahoma, who's a phenom, who's been... Everybody in BMX has known about Marcus since he was 12 years old when he came out with his yeah. Dan's comp edit or whatever that was. And he's been doing amazing, beating Logan Martin sometimes. And he's going to the Olympics to try and win. There you go. See, because what they want, the world wants either good, evil, or old and young. Yeah. And I much, I'd much rather have old than young. I don't like evil. So, yeah. um, you know, I think but that's what you would need. Like, if you get, you get Daniel Dares to come come out do his stuff and have him battle and that way they can i mean think of there's 20 different storylines you can have you know daniel's gonna show this kid blah blah, blah and this kid's gonna show daniel yeah i'm telling you man write it up get mtv involved they know how to write shit up <laughs> <laughs> they know a great story somebody call up mtv because i don't know how to get yeah. a hold of them that's too funny. There's nobody there when you call now. There's nobody there. I've tried. Oh, okay. <laughs> Stoney's actually like crazy when it comes to contacting like those types of things. So Stoney, make it happen. Use your magic. Stoney's going to be the guy that revitalizes BMX. Please. He's going to be the. He's going to be the. Who's like um. He's going to be like the guy that found the Backstreet Boys or all those boy bands. <laughs> You know, Stoney's going to be the guy that finds, uh, he's going to be the one that gets BMX back on the map. He's going to be the, was it Matt Damon in that movie about Venus and Serena Williams that just came out? Who was like, no, I think it might've been the other one, Matt Damon's other guy. Ben Affleck. Ben Affleck. I think it might've been Ben Affleck who, who was the manager or something in that movie. He's, He's going to be the, the Ben Affleck of that yeah. scenario with BMX. Too funny. Yeah, Stoney can probably do anything. He doesn't know it, but he can probably do anything. I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> I was also just reminded, too, of... Uh, you said you didn't have a lot of BMX memorabilia, but there's also another thing. I heard that your helmet's in the Hall of Fame. It is. It's in the... It's in the, It's in in the. the. Well, there's the Hall of Fame and there's the museum. If you look on like my Facebook page, there's a um, picture of me and Eddie Fiola, and I think it's really funny because... I have, I had a helmet, like I said, I had to like do stuff that people, so people would like be like, Hey, look, look at that guy. Cause I didn't have a lot of tricks. Mm-hmm. So I painted my helmet like an eyeball. Mm. And then, so I would wear that helmet and it gotten, it gotten all the magazines. And then luckily we were at a contest in 1988 or 89 in Arizona and Kevin Jones, please tell me you've heard of Kevin Jones. Oh yeah. I, I think he's the one who they say started Flatland, right? He didn't start it, but he made it. He was one of the best flatlanders ever. And like he people made it still what today, it is. Yeah, he was a, a great flat. He was great. I mean, he could ride anything. He could ride vert, dirt, street, anything. But flatland was his main thing. But he wore the. He wore my helmet. He didn't have a helmet. He's like, "Hey, can I use your helmet?" So I was like, "Sure, put it on." And then right as the and he got um, he was getting inducted into the Hall of Fame, and they used a photo from Bill Bachelor's book smog and concrete which mm-hmm. is a great book if you're my age it's the greatest book ever and um so they use bill bachelor's photo and it's kevin wearing the helmet and i just happened to bring the helmet to the hall of fame 
and I just happened to know Gork, who runs the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. And I was like, hey, if, do you guys want my helmet? Because a lot of people recognize this helmet, and Kevin wore it. Dude, they I showed up with it. They opened up the they opened up the case and put it right in. So you have like all these helmets. You have Jamie Bestwick, T.J. Lavin, Dave Volker, uh, Eddie Fiola, Ron Wilkerson, and right in the middle you have Ray Schleckweg's large Ray's shit bucket helmet right next to Eddie <laughs> Fiola's helmet from Rad. So I got wow. a picture of I got a picture of Eddie and I standing there with with the helmet. So I mean, hopefully they keep it in there because. The thing is, it looks – it's so funny because all the helmets are like professional dudes' helmets, and my helmet was a literal shit bucket. And But uh, people wore it. Like, you know, Kevin and a couple other people wore it, but Kevin got you know photos and magazines wearing it. So I believe they probably have it in there more because Kevin wore it, but if you get me and a bunch of people my age, they look at that helmet and immediately know, like, hey, that's Marjorie's helmet. And uh, I was really excited to bring it and have them put it in there. So I'm psyched on that. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. Can you tell me, so this is what I said I was going to make in my notes and talk about later. Can you tell me what in the world Frog Bars is? Yes. Okay, Joe Sisman. He's a functioning mentally ill person. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> where he can function, and he really is. He's, he's I'm sorry, Joe. He can function. <laughs> you can laugh, it, okay. but, but it's a true statement. Joe can function as an adult. He has some secret job where he stands up in front of people and has a real. He has a career doing something with like technology, and like he wears different shirts. He wears different glasses. He wears different ear things, and he he controls the masses in a room talking about technology. Nothing that I understand. Then he goes into his pro flatland life, and 98% of the stuff he talks about, I have no idea what he's talking about. And he, if something happens in the world, like, oh, us talking about Dave today on his birthday is frog bars. Frog bars is the reason why it happened. Mm. That's how, that's how, that's the easiest way to explain frog bars. Frog bars is when something happens and you don't know why, but you know why. Like we don't, we have no, we have no idea why today we are going to talk about Dave and it, and, and it's his, and it's his birthday today. We have no idea why that happened, but then we can look at each other and look at this and go, we know exactly why it happened, Mm. but we don't know why it happened. If that makes sense. That's what frog bars is. Dang. My whole life is frog bars. Yeah, see? It totally is. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. I get it now. And Joe's going to love that we just took three minutes out to talk about frog bars. <laughs> you know what I mean? He'll be up all night now if he sees this because he's so, he's so proud of me right now. Well, proud of you for bringing up frog bars because I, I avoid it whenever possible because I, you know, cause Joe's a mental, mental patient. But he's my favorite <laughs> mental patient ever. I love Joe. That's funny. He's also in Ohio, and I still have never met him. So, yeah. Oh, you'll meet you'll meet him if you go to uh, the Buckeye thing. I'm we'll be make there. It a priority. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Friday, Saturday. We'll be there Friday and Saturday. But Saturday is going to be the day when there's going to be. Um, that's like when they have all the shows. I'm actually going around the show. I'm, I have five gold medals, and I'm having my own category of where I'm going to. Uh, 
I'm going to uh, check people's bikes to make sure they're legit. And the reason we came up with this is I went to a bike show 20 years ago and dudes had these mint condition, brand new freestyle bikes, but there wasn't air in the tires or the chain was loose. The grips weren't on. Oh yeah. And I, and I'd fire these dudes up and I'd send them on. I'm like, you got to get out of here. This is ridiculous. This is an embarrassment to the sport to do this. So I'm going to find the top five bikes that are ready to get on. I'm going to just do freestyle bikes because that's what I did back in the day. Yeah. Um, so the top five freestyle bikes, if they're legit, you're going to get a gold medal. And anybody that works that hard on a bike to make it legit is going to love an award. They love awards. Mm-hmm. And they will get the large Ray My Bike's Legit Award. That's so Waiting awesome. Waiting that? I think yeah, that's you awesome. Can be there. I mean, you can be there. I As long as I – listen, I'm terrible about committing myself and then forgetting. So as long as I well, didn't already do that, I'm going to be there. We're going to commit right now, June 3rd, yep. anywhere between, you're going to be, uh, uh, say, 10, 10 a.m. to 5, you are going to be at that show. And then if you're lucky enough, we have a very, what's the word, exclusive, exclusive, no, what's something that only not a lot of people can go to? Exclusive only a, a selective is Exclusive is the word. I'm not good on the, usually my friend Todd helps me with these words. Um Todd, Todd Carter helps me with, with my 10 cent words, but a, a, an exclusive group goes to, you ready for this? Goes to Red Lobster. Yeah, you heard it. Red Lobster. You know, the biscuits, the all you can eat shrimp, the seafood fest. We get a select few and invite them to a night of Red Lobster. You want to know why I That's should here. be there? Because one... I've never been to a Red Lobster before. <gasps> Two. Oh my god! I will order chicken fingers at Red Lobster. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, they have pasta. Yeah. Okay. No, that's even that. You know what that is right there? You know what that is right there? That was frog bars. Someone dude. literally said incoming frog yeah. bars. <laughs> yeah. See. See. Life is yeah. great. So. Oh my uh, god. Speaking on indulging people by talking about certain things, Brett Downs texted me way earlier, like over an yes. hour ago, and said, "I've known Brett more than, way more than half my life. I've known him forever. He's the best." And he's talked probably three quarters of that half of your life that you've known him. Yes. Yeah. He and I talk. We just, if Brett and I were on a car trip for like eight hours. It would be not. There'd be no quiet time. We would just talk. <laughs> we we try and out talk each other. We both have big volume buttons too. So yeah, Sick. and we can talk about nothing too. We can talk about nothing and be right. You know. So what he said was, "Ask Ray about this." Is in quotes the boy getting run over by his own bike. Yes, that was again. Um, I. Uh, I th- well, here's another thing is I'm the youngest of three boys, so I was always looking for attention. And so when I got into the freestyle world, it was the same thing. I knew I was not going to get any attention, but I love attention. Mm-hmm. So I was, so the first contest I ever entered, I was like, my final trick's going to be boy getting run over by his own bike. And there was a, there was a 
sequence in the magazine and I can't find it. I don't know. It was like American freestyle or like one of these. Uh, I, I remember the photographer, Steve Guyberson. He was an old um, racer back in the 70s. Yeah. Um, but so what I did is I just, it was the, the, an outdoor contest, the velodrome. It was big concrete slab. And I just like rode my bike, ghosted it, and then ran. Back then I could run. And I ran in front of it and dove and my bike ran me over. <laughs> and that was my final trick. That's was amazing. getting run over by his own bike. And I think it I think it looked so good because watching like a fat kid run and then belly flop on the ground and the bike hit him and run over him, it actually worked. It's a kind of trick you can only do once. So That is um, amazing. Yeah, that was my introduction to the world of freestyle was that trick. And wow. I only did it once. That is yep. incredible. Holy yeah. cow. So uh Eric Stahl in the chat said just DM'd you a Frog Butters meme from Joe. Perfect. Says, <laughs> it's a picture here. I don't know if you, let me make sure you'll be able to see this. Come on, come, really fun? Pull it back. Hold, Hold it closer to your face, I maybe. got you. Because like, I can I see it you. I got before you. you. So it's a, oh, wait, that's it. It's a stem yeah, so, in some handlebars. Yeah, and I think his friend Chad DeGroot, who's a pro Flatlander and Hall of Fame nominee, I think Chad took that picture and was like, dude, look at what just rolled in my shop. So some dude put his bars on and that's where Joe is. That's where Joe's, that's where Joe got frog bars. Make your way to Vegas. Introduce Zach to me. I'll take care of the rest. Yeah. Interesting. Wow. Someone actually put their stem like that. And probably wrote it. Like, can you imagine? It had to have been like a little kid because of like a teenager got on that and just like did like a 180 you'd probably just snap it or forward it or backward it or something <sighs> yeah yeah but see joe sees something like that and, it cha- and he just runs with it the rest of his life mm-hmm. and talks about that you know so there's that uh there and i feel like there's a large portion of oh my god you want to talk about frog bars HC we already did. Fishing just said dropping a deuce watching this, and people have been saying this entire time that we should probably tell the microwave story. <laughs> oh, should we I've do it last? So many... Yeah, I mean we can do it whenever you want. Well, let's go just... for it. I mean, yeah. So, um, the microwave story is, uh, and we we still we. On Factor Freestyle, we want to have Bob Morales on, who is the guy that ran the event that the microwave incident happened at. Um, I always say this. I'm going to give you the short version of it because it's there's so much to it. But 1987, West Palm Beach, Florida, I show up at the contest, and um, I got beat up by a security guard because we had showed up. There was a snowstorm on the East Coast. We got there late. I was walking around the hotel with a guy, Luke Delaval. He was like 14. I was 17. And this guy said, hey, you guys, there's a curfew here. Luke said, like, go fuck yourself. And then the guy, because I was a big dude, he, like, jacks me up and pushes me and does all this stuff. And he literally, like, beat me up. And um, so I was like, you know what? I'm going to get back at this dude. We saw the guy later that the next day using the microwave to heat something up 
And I was like, I'm going to, we're going to teach this guy a lesson. So Sunday night, the contest was over. We're all back at the hotel. And um, I don't want to get too graphic, but we somehow ended up with a lot of human waste in a pile of toilet paper and we put it into a microwave. Now, I put it in the microwave and closed the door and ran. Me and Luke, or Luke and I, took off and went to a hotel room where Mark Lumen was. Uh, he was the editor, he was the, not the editor, the something editor of Freestyle Magazine. And we're in there talking and he goes, somebody comes to the room, I think it was Craig Grasso, came to our room and said, hey, there's something on fire. There's ambulance, police, they're evacuating the hotel. We got to get out of here. So we're just like, you know, what's going on? We were just, we were just there like 20 minutes ago. They're like, dude, everyone's got to get out of the hotel. So we open up the door and it's like one of these like outdoor hotel things. Like there's palm trees and we can see like all these lights reflecting off, like, you know, like yellow and blue lights. And we're like, what's going on? And then we start walking towards the lobby and we get this smell and people are just like lined up throwing up. And I'm like, like, it's the worst smell I've ever smelled in my life. And the kid Luke looks at me and he goes, oh shit and i said what and he goes it must have caught on fire and i'm like well how would it catch on fire we just closed the door and if somebody had to use it i mean there was so much toilet paper and shit they would have seen it and he goes no when you closed the door there was a 30 second button and i hit it and ran so for 30 seconds that poop and toilet paper was just burning and cooking and the smell i can't I can't describe anything I've ever smelled that bad. Like I've never smelled anything that bad. Like it was the worst. <laughs> and people were just like vomiting they were throwing up. So everyone gets kicked out of the hotel. Uh, I don't know where we went. I don't, I forget, but like, you know, we just, it, it was a mess. It was such a mess. Like there was every fire truck, every cop, every ambulance was at the hotel because of that. And like, I was terrified. <laughs> Like, I was like, I'm going to jail for so long. <laughs> and there are already people blaming me for it. And I was just like, I didn't, I wasn't even, I was with Mark Lumen. Ask Mark Lumen. I was with him. So, um, but then, like, after it happened, like, I got on the plane and went home. And it was, it was like, all right, we, we made it. But that story, I mean, it's, it's in Matt Hoffman's book. He has a book. Um, his life of something, something. And, uh, that uh that story is in there on page 43 because i saw i have the book um but so then as years went on that's all people like i've had people walk up to me like i've had people walk up to me at the x games in 2003 and be like hey are you are you large ray yeah oh dude tell me about the microwave like I, my friend was there and told me about it so like people would come up and ask me about the microwave um yeah it was something that like and so I've never talked to Bob Morales about it, and I don't know if he, if he ever got in trouble for it or if he wanted to kill me. Like, uh, and I'm still to this day afraid to like be confronted, you know, because, you know, he might be like, "Hey, man, I like lost my job or I lost something because of that." So, who knows? Wow. So, I guess the only proper way to like follow that story is by letting you know that you started telling it at 10:43. See? 
That's a whole other thing. 43 is a whole other thing that came about back then. I don't get it. I don't What's the... Oh, here, here, I'll tell you what 43 is right now. If starting tonight, you start looking for 43, tomorrow morning when you get up and if you go somewhere, you're going to see a license plate and it's going to say 43. You're going to see a dump truck with a 43. Uh-huh. You're going to watch the news and 43 people are going to be something. You know, like 43 shows up everywhere as soon as you start looking for 43 it just shows up everywhere oh i already it's have ridiculous. those numbers that i look for like that all the time that show up everywhere for me and i made yeah and i made the mistake of telling that to joe like a year ago two years ago i'm like joe you don't want to go down the rabbit hole of 43 because your mental mental illness brain can't handle something like this because it comes up so so frequent mm-hmm. and then the next thing you know he has 98 texts in a row this has 43. I just went here and it was 43. This is 43. I just went and bought something that was 43. Ruined his life. What's that movie? That and Frog Bars. The number 23? Is it 23? The movie? Is that movie called yeah. 23? 23. It's like on a hotel room door or something. Yeah, the number 23 is the movie. It's the same yeah. concept, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, that's what that is. Yeah, I, I already have those numbers in my life. Yeah. Holy cow. That story. Whew, that has the record for me laughing harder than, during one of these than I ever have in uh, my life. You should have been there when it happened, man. It was crazy. Like, Oh, and then the thing that's funny, and I've told this story a million times, like two, three years later, um, Dino or GT was on tour and they came through King of Prussia. And um, I was with uh, Dave Volker and Ron Haro. And they were, they bought a case of beer and we went to a Van Halen or not Van Halen, ACDC concert. And on the way back, they were both hammered drunk as bad as you could get. And, and Ron Hart was like, let me tell you something, man, that contest a couple years ago, if I find the dude to put that poop in that microwave, I'll kill him right now. And he's like, and I'm like, why, what happened? And he's like, well, my room was right next to that microwave <laughs> and I had to fly home to San Diego and my clothes smelled and they wouldn't let me on the plane. And he's like, he's like, so finally like, I got on the plane and I went home. He's like, but if I find the dude, he goes, I'll kill him. I'm like, well, dude, I know exactly where the guy is that did that. He goes, take me to him. I'll kill him right now. And I'm like, he's driving. And he's like, what? And I'm like, dude, that was me. I put the poop in the microwave. And Volker's <laughs> like, I told you it was Ray. I told you it was Ray. He's like, there's no way that was you. And I'm like, yeah, that was me. And then he's like, then he's cracking up laughing. He's like, that's the funniest thing I ever heard. So. Holy God. The poop. But you can, you like, I, I guarantee you right now, if you called Dino DeLuca and Brett Downs, you probably don't even know who those guys are, but they both rode for GT or Dino back in the day. Years later, I saw them in two. I think it was 2010 at uh, Woodward West, and I said, "What's the worst thing?" Like I planned it, like I knew because because I watched them throw up. I go, "Hey, what's the worst thing you ever smelled?" And they're like, <laughs> "Oh my God, West Palm Beach, Florida." <laughs> they were they were both outside throwing up when we came around the corner. I just remember those two guys. They had like the the tank tops on that said Dino and the mullets, and they're just leaned over throwing up. So. <sighs> I gotta recover you know, only, from that only, one. Only youth. That's just that's just the youth doing that. You know, like if my son did something like that, I'd kill him. But 
Uh, it was a different world. We've we mentioned that already. It is just totally yeah. different back then. Yeah, you could get away with so much stuff that you can't get away. Well, with Well, yeah, there's now. no ca- like. Can you imagine like it like now? Now it'd be on camera. Every place right. you go has a camera. I mean, I probably would. I probably would have went to jail. Oh, probably. I yeah. mean, the hotel caught on fire. They had every every emergency service there. Like my dad <laughs> would have had to pay like a gazillion dollars and probably would have went bankrupt and he would have lost his job and been homeless. I don't oh know. My like. God. Wasn't me. <laughs> so, can you tell me more about Factor Freestyle? I haven't. Fi- I've been on the show now for two years, and I can't figure it out. I think like the fir- like they called me one time. Dave Nori called me years ago, two years ago, and he's like, "Yeah, we do a thing where we get we talk to people from back in the day about stories, and we got to find out if they're if they're true or not." Like they asked me, they were like. Were you Factor Freestyle? Were you Matt Hoffman's bodyguard? And I was like, no, I was never a bodyguard, and I was never Matt's bodyguard. And then, um, then they started doing this whole thing: does Bob Haro overgrip when he shakes your hand? So it just started off like questions like that. Now it's just me, Dave Nori, Joe Sisman, and. Uh, Todd Carter just talking about our weekends and just mm-hmm. like, talking about nothing. Um, but then we, but we occasionally we have guests on, and then we we just basically talk about old school BMX. You know what I mean? We have um, anybody we can find that'll pick up the phone. We had a good one uh, uh, about six months ago. We had uh, Spike Jones on. Wow! If you know who Spike Jones is, we had Spike Jones on, uh, and he was playing Luke Delaval. He was in disguise and in character as Luke Delaval, and he told Joe. You know who Joe Johnson is the world famous Joe Johnson, the inventor of the tail whip air. Yeah. So we had Spike pretend that he was Luke Delaval, and he was yelling at Joe about pushing him off a ramp, and he broke his toe and couldn't ride anymore. And we had we had we had Joe going for for like forty minutes, and then at the end, Spike took his wig off and said, "It's it's 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 Spike." So that was pretty funny. That is pretty funny. Where yeah. where's that at if people wanted to like watch it? Um it's on it's on YouTube. It's like Factor Freestyle and I think it's called The Grudge. Like each one has a number, but I think that one's called The Grudge. <laughs> but then Joe Sisman never clicked back on to like how we are right now. So like full screen there's just a, a quote. There was just a uh Rob Lowe quote because Dave loves Rob Lowe and likes to quote everything he does. Yeah. Like, and so, so the Spike Jones was only like this big, but it's, um, so it's like, I mean, if you're, you know, if you're, if you're just driving around and you want to listen to it, it's pretty funny. Um, and then, uh, and then Joe realized that he was being, uh, he was being had as we say, but it was good to get Spike on there. See Dave, Dave Norrie knows everybody. So he knows Grant. Uh, he knows um, what's the movie trophy that he won? The little gold guy. The Oscar. He's a he's yeah he's a, a Oscar winner. Dave Nori knows Oscar winners. How wild! Yeah, I need to get Dave Nori on here. I've been meaning to. Just... Oh, you can get Dave. I mean, let me tell you something. If you can get me on, you can get Dave on. Dave, Dave, Dave can you know. 
Dave's a superstar, but he, you know, he will talk. He's a he's a man of the people. Yeah. He is all he wants to do is is grow the sport and love. Yep. He is growing. He's been growing the sport of BMX since 1982. Yep. And he still does it today. He has a flatland camp where he teaches kid how kids how to ride flatland. Like how cool is that? Dave Nori Bike Academy, man. It's the greatest thing in the world. Yeah, he's pretty awesome. I'm trying uh, ever since Cornhucket last year. I've been trying to just giving him advice and stuff with YouTube when he needs it and trying to help yeah. him grow all of that and he's awesome meeting him there talking yeah. to him there it's cool and uh and speaking of dave uh, stoney also mentioned the back for more in 24 thing are you involved with that at all <laughs> yeah i'm there for comic relief i'm the one that i'm involved telling them that it's never going to happen mm. i'm giving them motivation i'm going to like look it's never going to happen but what their plan is is they want to go and do you know however many shows um, I think I do think though now they have two that they're going to do one in California and one in New York or maybe one in New York and one in Germany or something. I think they do have two planned. They wanted to do like six or seven. Um, my only concern is that the three riders in the show are all pushing sixty. Mm-hmm. Like Dave's fifty-seven, Ron's fifty-six or seven. And Brian Blyther is 55, maybe 56. So when you fall when you're 16, you get right up. When you fall when you're 50, everything breaks. Shit just comes apart in your body. So I was very worried about them doing a show. Because Ron will get – he'll be like, look, I'm going to do a – you do a you do a seven-foot air and I'll do a 540 under you. It's kind of difficult to do when you're – that age you know yeah doing double airs but so yeah they're 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 working on they had a gofundme thing to try and raise the money to get you know everything that they need and then we'll see what happens they're working on it yeah best of luck to them in that yeah that'd be amazing if they do it you can make it happen yeah yeah they did a show like 10 years ago, they did a show in Germany and everybody loved it. You know, it's like the original horror team. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, they even had, they even had Mike Dominguez there. Um, and, uh, have you ever seen any footage of Mike Dominguez? Like back in the day, I don't Do you know who, so. anything about him. Yeah. So like Mike, Domin- like my best thing I thought with Mike Dominguez was I had a bunch of guys from Greenville come to my house, like in 2003. And, Back in the day, the when you rode ramps, it was just a quarter pipe. That was like the whole. Yeah. That was the whole day. There was a quarter pipe, like quarter pipe on each side, and Dominguez just sprints towards the quarter pipe and does, like, it's an eight foot high quarter pipe. He does a legit thirteen foot air on a eight foot high, eight foot wide quarter pipe, and I was like, look how good that is, man. Uh, who was I'm trying to think of the uh, Rob Darden. Rob Darden was there. Mm. I said, Rob, look at that. Look how dope that is, dude, for 1988. He goes, 88? He goes, that'd be good today. <laughs> you know, like how like how, how, how like high he went. He did like a really high 540. But Mike Dominguez was, uh, when we were kids, Mike Dominguez was, was Dave Mir. He was that, oh, he yeah. was that caliber. Like it was, Dominguez was the shit. Was totally the shit. Huh. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So, what is uh, what is life in BMX look like for you these days? Uh, 
the like nothing. I mean, just like just just think about it. Like what we're doing now. I'll talk about it all day, but I don't. Um, I don't. I can't ride at all. I had a bad leg injury about two years ago, and that really um, like I can't even bunny hop up a curb. Uh, and being like 700 pounds, that doesn't help. But I had a I had a bad tear in my leg. I tore my quadricep and my patella apart. <laughs> like snapped. And that took like seven months to get back to like whatever. Uh, I can still I can pedal a bike, but it just it, it fatigues really bad. It took you. me, yeah, it took me uh, took me almost a month to get the operation to get it fixed because of COVID and snowstorms. They like to reattach that within a couple of days, mm-hmm. and mine took like twenty eight days to get back. So oh, I have I some you. I have some lingering stuff. But uh, but my friends, like the group of guys that I rode with when I was a kid. They all still ride. The guy Gary Pollock, he'll still go to skate parks in Jersey all the time. Brett Downs, he rides like every day. He goes to skate parks and rides Flatland. Um, Warren, another guy that I ride that when we were kids, he still goes to Woodward. And he's, you know, they're like 50 some years old and they can still bust out, you know, Resi helps, but they can still all go there and ride and stuff. So when I can, I go to like all that kind of stuff when they go ride. Any of the old school reunions I try and hit up and then just like stuff like this, like just talking about BMX and um, it's just fun. You know what I mean? It's fun to talk about stuff you know about, you know what I mean? It's fun to tell, it's fun to tell stories and talk about it and see the guys from when you were a kid. And um, it's just fun, you know, it's just all fun. Oh, absolutely, man. Yeah. um, Damn it. What was I going to say about all that? Crap. I can't. Oh, uh, what maybe it was Pat Miller. Is Pat Miller a name? Pat Miller. Pat Miller. Is there a Pat Miller a vert rider? Yeah, okay, that's the guy who was at Rays this winter. It wasn't Gary Pollock. Gary Pollock may have Gary Pollock was at Chenga. Man, maybe Gary Gary Pollock was at Chenga this time last year. It was um, this winter. This winter, there's a guy Ron L that we know that goes there. The Pat dude? Miller. Let me see. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't Gary Pollock. There's. I was thinking it was. Uh, I've seen Gary at the Woodward Adult Weekends yeah. when they would have him. Right. I was thinking there's. I was confusing the two because Pat Miller was there and was shredding. I think because I. Did he ever? Did he ever ride? Did he ride in the? Was he around like in two thousand? There, no wait. There was a guy that rode for Schwinn, and had blonde hair, and was doing these shows, and he was a vert rider. Was he mainly like a vert rider? But then, like, park? I think so because they were both at Woodward Adult Weekends. Pat Miller and Gary Pollock kind of yeah, sort of yeah. look similar. Yeah, yeah, I definitely know who the dude is. Yeah, because my friend Warren was telling me about him. We hung out with him once. He was doing shows at a fair, at like a state fair. Where Where is he from? Do you know where he's from? I'm not sure, but this picture, is that going to show up? No, of course not. Uh, no. i got to turn off the thing again. Uh, this picture was on oh, his there it is. I Instagram. It. Yeah, that's like what? Like a, that's an eleven foot invert, probably. And I'm <laughs> assuming that that's Louisville. Or tabletop. That's crazy. Yeah. And so he's like probably like fifty years old, right? Something like that. I mean, 
there's this picture. Where is it at? Picture of him and Beswick on his Instagram too. That's him. Yeah, I know who that dude is. I totally know who that dude is. He used to have long, like longer blonde hair when I knew him gotcha. back in the day. Yeah, he's really good. Yeah, and if I remember, he's ripping. a really cool guy too. From what I remember. Yep. Okay. So Paul Nanny Nani said, "I saw Miller at Rays this winter at the Rays Jam." Yeah. Okay. So we are talking about. I had him confused the right for a here. second. Yeah. Either way, though, uh, you got anything other than the BMX Buckeye BMX show that you're looking forward to in the future here? Um, I mean, I'm going there, and then I there's a um there's a huff jam where dudes ride a flatland contest that i went to last year that was really fun i'm gonna maybe go to that and then other than that um i don't have anything planned usually stuff just like kind of pops up and i'll be like hey let's go we've been talking about going to the old school reunion in uh in woodward west for the past 10 years we haven't gone um so we're gonna have to try and go out there just because just because I like picking on Bob Haro and all the other <laughs> famous people. I love just picking on everybody. So, um, yeah, those type of events I love because I just go up and it's just talking to everybody that you knew when you were a kid. Like, it's cool because the people that you'd see at contests when you're a kid, now, you, now you're all like adults and whatever, You just and then you're just all buddies. You know what I mean? Like, even a dude that you might not even really – ever spoke to back in the day you can go up and talk to him for two hours about mm-hmm. everything you know it's so it's so much fun kind of like me talking to you right now for two hours and we'd never exactly met. yeah we never met and we're like now i'll be like oh yeah dude me and brett we're like best buddies dude like i'll like if you go to the if you go to that to that buckeye thing it'll be like we we've met before you know what i yep. mean even though we've never met like that's that's the one thing i like about all these about these uh about these things is that you know you get you'll be talking to people like i never met stoney i never like i've never seen him but i talked to him you know on, on the show and stuff mm-hmm. so i feel like i know him like when i talk to people i'll be like oh yeah my friend stoney you know like it's like that kind of stuff it's crazy that's why the internet's so cool it is it's got its benefits man it's the you best know? worst thing ever it, it is it totally is it's like oh yeah. It's like it's 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 like a gun. A gun can kill you, of course, but then also if you're starving to death and you need to hunt, you can you know, you can it can save your life. So that's 100 it. That's what the internet is, man. It can it can absolutely wreck you and it can also like look at all the stuff we use we use the your phone for, man. Like now you don't even got to go to school. You just everything's on your phone. You want to yep. know something? Boom. How do I put brakes on my car? I have no idea. How you just YouTube it? How do you want to put brakes on your bike? Oh yeah, I got a video about it. <laughs> got a video. How do you fix this? How do you make this? How do you get somewhere? That's the thing I like the best about like like iPhone and technology is is the uh, is GPS is my favorite thing in the world because I don't know how many like we used to go to Rockville BMX when we were kids for any show and we we've been there. 12 times and all 12 times we got lost we didn't know how to get there <laughs> yeah now you just now you just get in your tesla you hit a button and you take a nap and then you wake up and you're there you know oh it's beautiful. yeah it's, it's <laughs> the best worst thing ever it's the best worst thing that's a great that could be a good shirt or a quote or something it's the best worst 
Well, I hope I get credit for it. <laughs> well, if you have it on YouTube and you're the first one, you you get it. Don't you have to like write write it and then send it to you in the mail and then you own it? I think something like that. I don't know. But uh, we'll ask Joe Sisman. He'll know. He knows all that kind of stuff. He'll probably do it before me, and then yeah, he just probably he just stole it from us. That bastard. <laughs> oh well, that's funny. But uh, Ray, we just talked for yes. over two hours two hours it's way past my bedtime dude this is like crazy i love it i love being up past my bedtime well i you know what i mean i love talking to people like you who just love bmx and love talking about bmx and learning about things from the past from people who lived it i love that yeah it's one thing i'm good at in life man i can talk about the old days it's we're still living in the old days we are. Yes. Yeah, so, Buckeye BMX show, June 3rd, somewhere in Dayton, Ohio. Just drive to Dayton and you'll probably stumble on it somehow. Yeah. And uh, they have like a website and stuff, and you can go to Instagram, Buckeye BMX on Instagram, and it has all their stuff. I'm going to commit myself that if I have not committed myself already to something else, I'm going to be there. I'm going to bring my Dave Mira. Bring your prints. Print. And we're going to have the Dave Mira cookie. Oh, my God. <laughs> Somebody, whoever buys this, is going to have to eat the Dave Mira cookie. And I'll film it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be documenting the weekend, meet meet Ray in person, hang out with everybody, and it'll be an awesome time. Meet you if you show up, whoever you might be. Yeah, that person. Dave Miragum. You have Dave Miragum. Don't forget that. I love Dave Miragum. If you have something neat that you don't think anyone would ever want to buy, I would love to put something of yours on a shelf. Uh, whatever. I'll give you... I'll give you... If you show up, I'll save you one of these. This is yours. Deal. I'll be there. <laughs> so, with that being like said... This. I'll give you this. Oh, my God. I'll give you this. That I'll would, give you that. That would be amazing. <laughs> So on that note, where can people find you on the internet if they want to keep up with what you're up to? Uh, probably Instagram is what I'm, I'm not on Facebook much, but I'm on Instagram a lot. Um, and I actually, yeah, my Instagram account, I just have a million pictures of life and I'm like 80% of it's like BMX stuff. My Instagram is just like, like one of these days, if you want to, we could just go through my Instagram and you pick a picture and I have a story about oh it. Oh my God, like it that's part be, two. It would be, yeah, it would just be st- like, I, there isn't a picture, there's probably, I probably have a thousand pictures or more and everyone, anything that has bikes on it, there's a story, which is crazy. I would you know? love that. I have your Instagram on the screen right now for anybody who wants to see it. And anybody who's listening, it's large underscore Ray linked in the description wherever you're watching this. And uh, I appreciate your time, man. We definitely have to do part two with the Instagram idea. Yeah. Oh, I'd love to. Like I said, I could do this all day. And you're you're a heck of a guy. You're fun to, you. fun to talk to. You, you know what I mean? This was this was really good. This is a great experience. Thank you. I'm glad you so had I'm, fun. I'm down for whenever you want to do it again. Awesome. Oh yeah. So hopefully I'll see you here in a couple months. And yes. Frog bars. I will save this for you. I will save this for you. God, I hope it so. It is in a mental mental note. Deal. It's yours. Thank you. And yeah. to everyone else, 
check out large rare anything factor freestyle he's done other video shows podcasts there's a there's some run online from a flatland thing back in the 80s where he's got smoke bombs coming out of his pegs like what's that all about it you're gonna have to go yeah, find it it's on there you're gonna have to find it on that note 